0: But mindfulness is a state and a skill. Right, right. That's where it gets kind of cool. Yeah. So the state of mindfulness is the full awareness, right? Um, you and I are probably mindful right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then there's also a skill that you can train, which is deep focus or observation. Right. Rich observation, something like that. Okay. So, so he'd say, you know, there's a graduate way of doing it as well. Like just how about living mindfully? Well, to do that, you've got to train the skill.
1: I'm Andy Patronic, the co-founder of The Whole Life Challenge, the inspirational game that helps thousands of people around the globe take action each day to improve their health, fitness, and well-being. Join me each week on The Andy Patronic Podcast for interviews with guests that will help give you ideas, Get inspired and take action toward being the best and healthiest version of yourself you can be. Boom, boom, boom. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, everyone, it's Andy. And uh, here we go. Here we go. Episode number 139 of the the Andy Patronic podcast. Yes. It used to be called the Whole Life Podcast, which is why you heard me pause. This is my show. <laughs> and um, boy, I've, I've been on such a really fun roll with guests. Three people in the last three weeks that have really, God, so enjoyed the conversation. Sam Morris, a couple weeks ago, Zen Warrior, and um, Kristen McDermott last week, who's a family therapist. And super duper expert in resilience this week i've got dr michael gervais on the show and holy toledo guys i mean this guy is a who's who of sports psychologists who works with high performers he's got a i mean his roster includes an mvp from every major sport internationally acclaimed artists and musicians and fortune 100 ceos his partner in business is uh, Pete Carroll, who you might have heard of before. He's been a speaker and recognized expert on CNN, The Wall Street Journal, ESPN, NBC, and at the NFL Network, Red Bull TV, Extra, The Huffington Post. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about him in a second, but I want to get to something else first. What is what occurred to me this morning? Uh, I've got this water filter system that's reverse osmosis water filter system that sits about 10 feet away from my kitchen sink. And the reason it sits so far away from the sink is it's it's kind of big and doesn't really fit very well on the counter space next to the sink. It would take up way too much space and look kind of ugly. So it's across the kitchen, but it only holds about two and a half liters of water which means that two and a half liters I go through easily in a day because I, I make my coffee out of it. I drink my regular water out of it. My son drinks all of his water out of it. My wife drinks all her water out of it. We cook out of it. We're probably using three full refills of that tank every day, I would imagine, like a gallon and a half, maybe, maybe a little bit more. And I'm always having to refill that thing. I'm like, can't we have? Um, we actually have some glass pitchers that we fill up with that filtered water in it so that we, we have more than just the two or so liters. Actually, did I say two and a half liters? I think it's a little less than two liters. Um, so we, we've got those on the counter, but God, it seems like I'm always having to refill them. And, I, and it just reminds me of the chop wood carry water maxim from it's a zen saying you know before enlightenment chop wood carry water after enlightenment chop wood carry water and it reminds me of the mundaneness of life of the you know the fact that that life and growth and mastery is not sexy the the result of leading a life of mastery is can be sexy. Like you look at a guy like Alex Hanold, who we talked quite a lot about in this podcast or Felix Baumgartner or some of the extreme athletes you watch on TV. I mean, incredibly sexy, incredibly cool. Um, but the process of getting there is slow, steady, painstaking, mundane, You know, a little like tending a garden. It's slow and steady progress. You got to nurture those little seedlings into plants and chop wood, carry water, chop wood, carry water. And really it's the foundation of the whole life challenge. We are in the fifth week of the challenge right now. And I'm in that place of, this is boring. (laughs) I want to be done. And that's when I got to lean in. That's when it's it's very, very beneficial to exercise that muscle, the lean in muscle, the show up muscle. And so I encourage you guys to consider that. Consider that in your life. Where does it show up for you in your life? Where do you have to chop wood, carry water? And look at that. I mean, perhaps a way to look at it is to look at it as a gift. I get to chop wood and carry water. I get to fill that water filter and move it across the kitchen. Some people couldn't do that. It's not I have to, but I get to. That little change in perspective can very often help you. So um, Michael Gervais is about to join us. Like I said, he's worked with some of the most extreme athletes in the world. And the one, coo- the, one of the coolest parts of the podcast is where he introduces a concept to me called the default mode network. It is a it is the default operating system of your brain when you're not really doing anything else. Like if your brain is turned off, your default mode, which is the default mode, is a, is the network of the elements of your brain that are turned on. And they have you focusing on me 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 me. They look they're very internal looking and they don't stop. I Think of that as kind of that voice that I always hear judging myself, critiquing myself, giving me advice, good advice, bad advice, like the little angel and the little devil sitting on my shoulder coming from the default mode network. And one of the things that high performers, performers that are on the razor's edge, have in common is they have found a way to turn that default mode network off and to get in a flow state and to. allow them they they couldn't do what they're they are they do in their life they do in their sport without doing that there'd be too much distraction and we can all learn from that that's what one of the things michael talks about is the purpose of meditation and mindfulness training to teach your yourself how to quiet the mind and turn that down and i never really related it that way before it makes me feel like meditation is almost training to be on the razor's edge and it, it actually is so uh, look for that in the podcast we talk about so many more things he's got some fascinating stories I took more notes more sh- there are more show notes on the on the whole life challenge com forward slash podcast page than I've ever taken before and um, super just super stuff stuff you don't want to forget stuff you want to dive more into or at least I do so check it out. And um, enjoy, Michael Gervais, everyone. So, um, Michael Gervais, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's so uh, th- th- thank you for inviting me down here. Like I, I feel like I'm on vacation. I'm looking out at the Hermosa Pier, and it's. I mean, this is a spectacular office. I'd love to come to work here. It's a great place to think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Um I you know uh when we were out at Outside Magazine uh, and Chris keys, um mentioned, you know, introducing me to you, I was like that would be a home run. Partly just because of who you are and and what you do, but also because of my old connection to Red Bull and you know, I, I um I mean not that the only people you work with are Red Bull athletes, but it's really it's it's very interesting to me to, you know, back in the day I was doing it, that wasn't available. I I needed it. <laughs> I needed to. I I, me too. Yeah, me too. Desperately.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a small world, and it's fun to have. I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation because there's going to be lots of fun overlaps, and um, I think we've been trending in similar circles, but haven't met yet. So right. this right. this seems. Um, I was excited when knowing that you're coming down. Cool, cool.
1: Um, I, you know, I wanted to start with you know you like a, your 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 list of clients is like a who's who of of people and of all sorts, but I'm sure you didn't start there unless you were inc- no. incredibly lucky and you just jumped in and said, Hey, you know, yeah, no, I'm the I, guy to go to.
0: I, I didn't, nor did I want, nor was that ever an interest. Right. And I, I get calls often or emails and, you know, uh, requests like, Hey, I want to be in your field of sport and performance psychology and whatever, whatever. I want to work with elite athletes. And those ones in particular i like to respond to to say that's the wrong focus i think that's the wrong focus right i i never had an interest to work with tip of the arrow i had a deep interest to work with people who are committed to change Mm -hmm. right to be better and you grew up in the action sport world and you know there's something natural about that industry folks in that industry where progression is at the center of I think most people's DNA, just getting better. How do I get better? And right. it's like an internal thing. I just want to get better a little bit, a little bit more better to next day, next day, next day. And so that's, I just want to work with those folks. And right. they tend to be some of the best in the world <laughs> right. across domains. Right. Like that's, that's a golden thread that I've noticed throughout most uh, tip of the arrow performers. How, so when you were just getting
1: started, how did you, um, how'd you establish yourself? How'd you establish this
0: business and how did you start working with people and finding your clients? And yeah, that's a good question. I I don't think it ever did. I don't think it ever worked that way. So the, the journey was that I've got actually a good story for my, one of my first entry points into, into pro sports and sports period. So I grew up in action sports as well. I was not, I wasn't a fan of stick and ball sports. Like I didn't fit, I didn't fit in them. And that's a longer story that I'm happy to get into, but. So I went through my training, um, undergrad psych master's degree in kinesiology, which is more how the body works back to PhD in psychology license as a psychologist, subspecialty, or I'm sorry, specialty in sport and performance. And then after probably 15 years in the field, if there were such a thing as a subspecialty of like dangerous environments, that's where I'd spend. Um, that's where I spend most of my time. So, so early in that path, after my training, I met a GM. I no, I met the medical director of a pro team, mm-hmm. so the MD. And it was hockey, and he introduced me to the GM and the strength coach, and the three of them were like, "Oh, yeah, this will be great. This will be awesome." And I didn't I mean think about how green I was. That, what, telling this story. I didn't right. even meet the head coach. <laughs> and, and and we signed we signed a contract. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, I mean, come on. What was I thinking? Wait, so what school were you at? What where was this? So, okay, so the long journey was do you want the long journey or, sh- or kind of crib notes? Here? Well, Your crib notes is fine. Loyola Marymount, Long Beach, and San Diego. Okay, and, and there's a couple schools in between. That's why the there's a longer fun, longer story there. But well, let's uh, let's let's get a little fun. Yeah, What's okay. the fun. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I'm very intrigued fun. by fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <As> <laughs> you dangle a style. carrot and <laughs> I'm going to follow <laughs> it. I'm not. I'm, I'm my attention span. I you know, much to my my employees' chagrin, is boom. <laughs>
0: Well, your your <laughs> fun and most people's fun is a little bit different. So that's true. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. All right. So, uh, right out of high school, I had no clue what was up, and it was my senior year in high school. My my mom pulled me aside and we we're in my kitchen, uh, their kitchen, and she said, "Hey, listen, uh, we tried. Not not no one went to school in my family, and they're more the hard school, you know, uh, hard knocks. I should say. This is where this is in Redondo Beach. Oh wow, local, okay. local, yeah." And so I didn't get an SAT. I didn't go to my SAT or PSAT, the entrance exams to college because I was surfing. And so I blew those off and I, you know, I didn't, I I had no interest. I didn't even really know what university or college life was about. Mm -hmm. So I was just putting my head down, trying to get better at surfing, loving that lifestyle. I had a totally different vision of what my future would be, which was to travel the world and surf. Um, all the world-class, you know, surf breaks. And Had you thought I, through the money part or that? Yeah, wasn't... I did. And oh. the money part was, I don't need much. Like, <laughs> okay. So <it> was pretty <laughs> Spartan, you know, like you're a
1: homeless guy basically running through the somehow, you know,
0: Yeah, what finding we, your way around the world. It was me and a group of like three or four guys, um, which when I look back and I look at where they are now and where we were together then, it's remarkable how powerful my girlfriend at the time, now wife, how, how pivotal that relationship was because she said one thing to me early that changed everything. Hmm. And so our pack, my, my guy friends back then was, we were going to surf the world. We're going to check things out uh, from an organic standpoint. We didn't need much. And we're going to live wherever we could on uh, the kitchen tables. The vision was milk crates, with plywood and plastic uh, sheet over top of it. And that was going to be our kitchen table across okay. the world. Right. We could find milk crates everywhere. Right. We could find plywood anywhere. Right. And we could get a, a you know, paper cloth or whatever kind of cloth. And that was what we'd eat. That's what we'd eat. So we didn't need much. All we needed was money for travel. I got this picture in my mind of like stand by me, like the,
1: the little kids, the oh, six-year-olds. Yes.
0: Oh, I never had that
1: image. Yes. Oh my God. Oh,
0: You're an awful. older version of stand by me. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, Part of me misses that because I think that yep. that would have been a phenomenal adventure. Now, like as an, like the mature adult part, I've been able to travel the world, right? right, right. A- and I haven't had to live in those squander type of environments, which has been fun. So I, I, I still get, I love the adventure part. I love the exploratory part, but back to the story is... I guess I should finish with, with my wife, like a girlfriend at the time. The question. Yeah. Or so the, she's, yeah. she says, no, it's a statement. She's was, like, uh. um, she goes, that's fine. <laughs> Which really means it's not. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. I've been married long enough to know that. Right. <laughs> and so and she's just, well, there's just so much more in you. And my antenna kind of huh. tweaked a little bit like, well, that's a cool thought. What does that mean? And her answer was, I don't know, but there's just more than that. Hmm. And so that one of my antenna kind of lost true north to what, you know, the guy friends were thinking about, you know, I mean, you can paint the picture, Nicaragua, avocados, sunburnt. you know, looking for water looking for some sort of, uh, food in, at night, but having the best waves in the world. Like you Absolutely. can see, yeah, totally. you, you've lived it too. Yeah. I haven't lived that, but yeah, I've lived that picture in my mind. Yeah, there's, there's yep. versions
1: of skiing and snowboarding and yeah. surfing and it's, they're all very similar, you know? Yeah.
0: So I had uh, part of that early mission or vision was to chase winter, chase summer yep. and to do that. And I haven't put together six months of winter, six months of summer, without work. I haven't done that yet. I will at mm-hmm. some point, like I will want to do that. Um, but anyway, so back to the story. So, so one of my antenna kind of twisted like, what is that other thing that she's seeing that I didn't see? Mm-hmm. Now couple that with my mom in the kitchen and it was like, uh, I can still see and feel the sun coming in Southern California, it's not too hot. But that moment where she said, we tried and you've got two options now. And I'm 18, right? 17. And so I was a year early in school and she said, you've either got to get a job and get out or go to community college. I said, community college. That's for losers. (laughs) I had a zero on my SAT. I never carried a book in high school. Like school was not, but I had the, But that's for losers. Oh my God. What was I thinking? And so, so what I did, so I was like, I'm not ready to get a job and get out. Like I'm not, I'm 17 years old. You know, I'm two. That's not. Did she spring that on you or kind of to me, but if you were to, if they were here, they'd be like, no, we were working that message for and a long time. Was dad but, around also? Yeah, yeah. Dad traveled a lot. Okay. Um, so he was in the corporate world at that point. Uh-huh. And so he wasn't in that conversation. And so my dad and I had like, um, like there was a tenuous, tough relationship where he taught me a lot about being a man and a lot about. Um, you know, working hard for the family, like, but mm-hmm. there was a tough. So I'm trying to become m- a young man, and he's the man. So there's that toughness that was always part of it, and and there's tenderness too. I, mm-hmm. I like the you know. So I'm painting the maybe too aggressive of a picture, but so so that conversation is taking place, and I go, oh, wait a minute. In the back of my mind, I know I can surf and go to school. So let me just choose school. I'll get another two years out of surfing, you right, know, and right, having, right. and then home will be a home base, and then I can start this travel vision. So that's right. where it's, that's where it started, and then, so then what happened is I went to school, but I didn't go to community college. They they saved some money, and and I went to a private junior college. Okay, okay, up in Palos Verdes, mm-hmm. Marymount College, and it was so it's right over top of a couple. Nice, nice, breaks, surf, yeah, really rakes, nice yeah. surf break.
1: Really nice surf break. I've surfed it. I've surfed. I, well, I did a bunch of outrigger paddling with um, Lanquila out of.
0: Oh, you did out
1: of Redondo. Out of Redondo. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, uh, so we used to, we used to paddle over to the cove, and I've done some one man paddling into some
0: of the waves in the cove. And yeah, it's good. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And then as you go further south, there's even better waves. Right. Around some of those nooks that people don't like to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well,
1: it's a little rough crowd down there too. <laughs> yeah. If you're not a local, you're not invited. Yeah. It's, I don't know um, how it is now, but that's uh, how it was. Same. Yeah. You
0: know, the, those, those, you know, it's funny, cultures don't change very easily. And now I just kind of put my business hat on, if you will. But that's a, that's a cool thought that you just helped me with. Cause I didn't have that thought before, which is so the cult, surf culture at particular surf breaks, mm-hmm. they don't really change and neither do cultures in business or family cultures, right. unless right. there's great leverage, great intention, great purpose. When I say great, like very purposeful, focused attention on changing ideas and changing thoughts and so changing thoughts and changing behaviors. So, and that takes a lot of work to do a lot. It's not easy. It might sound, but it's, as you know, changing habits is, um, that's intense work. Well, it's a rabbit hole that I don't want to
1: lose. I'd like to go down, but I also want to hear the story. Like I, I want to, my immediate question was what are your thoughts on, action versus thoughts which one comes first and which one works better and
0: oh, I got, yeah, I've got I'm real sure you've got a then. lot yeah, yeah yeah for sure so can we you think we can remember between the two of us to come back to that oh yeah okay oh yeah I right. like that okay yeah. cool stories are overrated anyway. <laughs> no they're not, <laughs> no, they're <laughs> not. They're not why do we stories. love stories <laughs> campfires for. I've here. been listening
1: to uh, um um, Jordan Peterson quite a lot. I,
0: I'm like ten lectures in. They're two and a half hour How lectures. Wildly fantastic and deep and rich. He comes from the right place. It's an, it's incredible. Ugh. And the stories and the, the 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 stories we've all been living in
1: without even knowing we're living in the same stories that have been going on for millennia. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's
0: it, it. really kind of blows my mind. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's for sure. So, okay. Go back to that. this story in particular yep, was, yep. This, but I think this is really important, not because it's my story, but because I think a lot of people are, wrestle and struggle with strike. I think I know that people wrestle and struggle with what is my purpose? Yes. Okay. And they we look at the most successful people and they say, well, they must, they're living their purpose. They must know. Yeah, maybe. Right. Right. Maybe. So there are a couple ideas here that I would like to unpack. Which is, just because you're extraordinarily physically talented and at something, eye hand coordination, and you've found your way into archery, it doesn't mean that that's your purpose. Right. Right. And they know that some. It might be for some, but there's you. So I've spent a time in a lot of different environments, world class environments in the sport world, as well as um, business and, and arts. The performance is important, but for, I want to make a big number, like 99%. I don't have any real research data here, but a big number that it's not enough. Right. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't fill the human. And that's a, that's a universal, and that's a, I mean, I, maybe it's not a hundred percent, but it's pretty big percentage. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. So this idea about like, what is my purpose? Where am I going in my life? What am I doing those hard questions? are really important to, to wrestle with and grok with. Those are really important. Um, the difficult questions in life, if you pull out of this thought for a minute. Uh, Harvard did a 75 year study on fulfillment. Mm-hmm. That's a long time to do a research study. And they had lots of people in it. And what they found, there's two pillars that were very important. One was those that had fulfillment, happiness, joy in life. They wrestled with the hard problems. That was one of the pillars. They ask the hard question. What am I doing with my life? I don't know where I'm from. (laughs) I don't know where you're from. I don't know where we're from. And I'm going to go back to that place at some point because we're only here for a little bit of time, right? Right. Like how many years? 80? 90? I don't know. You know, and if you're you're living to 110, the last 10 years, (laughs) probably pretty freaking hard. Right. You're not leaving your front porch. (laughs) 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 <laughs> no, no. So like, if we're only here for a little bit of time and there's no guarantee when that time ends, let's crack it. Let's go as intense and wonderful and peaceful and contentment and have a fire in our belly as often as we possibly can. Now to do that, I've spent my whole life trying to figure out how to help and myself first, my loved one second, and then the people that I'm fortunate enough to love, you know, in, in other ways, and business ways as well. So mm-hmm. how do we do that? Well, I didn't know my purpose. I didn't know I didn't really have a big vision and I changed the vision. As soon as somebody dropped a new thought into me, like, Hey, there's Mm -hmm. more in you. So I'm up at school trying to go surf. I tested into remedial math and remedial English. Okay. It's not that I didn't understand those two worlds, math and English, but I didn't know how to study. Mm -hmm. I floated through high school. It's awful. Like I I was, Mm -hmm. it was not good. So, so I'm sharing all this because like, there's hope for people. <laughs> 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 if I could do it, you could do it. Right, you know, there's right. hope. And then the second part is it's our relationships are more powerful than we think. Yeah. So my, my relationship with my girlfriend at the time makes that thought. My mom makes that thought. And then these three professors who were best friends, a theologian, a psychologist, and a, um, a philosopher. sounds like the start of a joke. It's usually bad. when It (laughs) starts this way. And then we walked into a bar and, you know, and literally Dr. Zanka Perkins and Kuzio. I love saying their name because those three dudes saw this young kid who was full of anxiety, full of piss and vinegar, you know, trying to get like his, I was trying to get my way, but Mm -hmm. I was, I was really an anxious person. Mm -hmm. And, and they saw this proclivity to want to get better at anything. So, so, so I said, you know, I'm going to try to do the school thing a little bit. And, Man, they taught me about, they brought me in, they wrapped their arms around me. like, Hey, listen, kid, let me show you about the invisible. Hmm. And that's where it started. No one really from like the next semester on, no one had to ask me to read another book about the mind. Wow. I, I mean, it was like, I got, I, I saved my um, high school report card. I got an F in psychology. Wow. I haven't now I'm a psychologist. <laughs> <That's fantastic. Okay.
1: laughs> yeah. you should frame I
0: did the law. I, no, I put it in so there's this diagnostical DSM diagnostical and statistical manual and it's a book of all the disorders of the mind. And I purposely keep an F, my report card, in that book to remind me that I don't understand the disordered human. I studied it. Mm. I went to, so that that interesting story. So I I went from um, junior college, like falling in love with learning to Loyola Marymount, loved it, Mm -hmm. didn't know exactly what to do. So I followed the trajectory, if you will, of psychology. And so I went to a master's degree program in psychology at Pepperdine. Mm -hmm. And second semester, I was like, this is the study of the disordered human, you know, the clinical, schizophrenic, bipolar, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you have that or your family members, i I just didn't want to spend my life efforts under right. trying to understand it, right? I wanted to understand what I needed, which is, okay, I'm relatively healthy, a little bit of garden variety, anxiety stuff, you know, like relatively healthy. I want to have an amazing life, but there's no roadmap on how I can be better from the inside out. Mm-hmm. There's a kind of a clear roadmap, how to get better on the outside in, right? Like right. You, training, right. physical training, <clears throat> <right>. technical training, <laughs> totally. kind of, you know? And yep. Go if you want to be a lawyer, do this. If you want you know to know how it, to do it, surfing, yeah, I mean, you, right. you did it, yeah, exactly. without even without even knowing it, yeah. So then, how, but how does the mind work? And I wanted to understand it because I, I intuitively I knew it was important, and I didn't have anyone teach me about it, right? And so I'd love to ask you, like, have you formally trained your mind? What What does that mean? It's a cool thought, isn't it? Have you formally trained your body? Yeah, of course. Right, and you've formally trained a craft. You've had coaches of running or yeah, kayaking yeah, well, or whatever. Everything, everything. Right. Yeah. So there's only three. That's things. Really are, that's really weird. Isn't that, that crazy? That's a really interesting question. Yeah. So there's only three things we can. train. I don't train. even know how to answer that question. Right. Which, I know. which.
1: That's. That I feel stupid. No. no like no, no, now. No, I mean, no, not not really. I mean, yeah. I'm not like judging
0: myself because I don't. But it's it. Maybe I have, but I don't. Wouldn't I don't know that I have. Right. Okay. So there's only three things we can train as humans: our body, our craft, and our mind. Right. Okay. There's an asterisk next to spirit. It's an early conversation about, can you train your spirit? Because as a scientist as an appreciator of science that um, I'm really wanting to know more about that, you know, the spiritual world. Mm -hmm. And is that, is that a story or is it a real thing? I was spoon fed Catholic. I think the Trinity is beautiful. I've left the church. I've come back to the church. I've Mm -hmm. left the church, you know, so spirit and religion are very different. Mm -hmm. And, like, can you train your spiritual capacity? Hmm. Or is that, is it really about training your mind to be more present, to feel more deeply, to be more connected to the true nature? Maybe it's the same thing, right? So I'm just going to lump the three, right? body, craft, and mind together, or Hmm. separate them so that we can lump them together. Okay. Okay. So separate them first. And formal training of the mind would have required you going to see a psychologist. They are the quote unquote experts of right. the mind, right. but their expertise for the majority of psychologists are how the disordered mind works right. because that right. was born out of the medical model of like, Hey, if you've got a broken knee, let's fix it. Mm-hmm. If You've got a broken elbow. Let's pull it apart and hammer it and screw it and stitch it. And okay, good broken heart. You know, we'll get the valve right together. And right. modern right. medicine is very different than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago certainly 150 years ago. But, and the same thing is happening with the mind is that it was born out of studying the disorder because that was the easiest thing to spot. Right. By the way, when you're observing other people and observing oneself, it is far easier to find what is broken. What is not good. That comes
1: up all the time in my relationship with my wife. (laughs) Come on. That's <laughs> right. That's
0: easy pickings. <laughs> and she loves she, you for it. Now. And she she with me. I mean, come on, it's that's easy. <laughs> and that's but that's how science starts too, right? right we investigate right. the things that are obvious. And isn't that interesting that the obvious is the things that aren't working well? And the world of the best of the best of the best it flips it at some point it flips where they focus on what's good, how to amplify that, how to triple mm-hmm. down on it, how to position ourselves so we can do the amazing more eloquently better.
1: Does it flip because it's harder to
0: see what's not working? Cause it's so many things are working well. No, I think because at some point we have to let go of focusing on all the broken because we, because what we experience is a rumination of the broken and then how do we ever get out of that? So I'd like to get nerdy for a minute. There's this thing called the default mode network in our brain. I don't know. Are you familiar with that thought? Okay. Hmm. Do we save this for later? Because that default mode, let's do it now. The default mode network is the idle part of our brain. Okay. And there's two particular parts of this, um, the brain and I'll oversimplify it. There's part in the front, the, Mm -hmm. the midline, and then the PPC, another part of the brain. So these two parts of the brain are active in a defaulted state. And what happens with those two is they start to ruminate about me, 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 my hmm. life, my life, my, my condition, me, me. And so it's an s- introceptive observation of self that is the default mode. Hmm. And what we've, we the scientists in the field of mindfulness and meditation and research of neuroscience have found is that when you focus your mind on one thing and that deep intense focus on the one thing, it could be putting your fingers into a hold in El Capitan, Mm -hmm. Alex and old, Mm -hmm. right? You know, 2000 feet up deep focus to Mm -hmm. be able to scale that without rope without, you know, clips. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that's a deep focus or it could be focusing all of your attention on your exhale in the same type of way, mm-hmm. that deep committed focus, call that mindfulness, call that you know, free climbing. What happens is that default mode goes away. It never really fully goes away, but we drive our resources attention to the thing that matters most and we lose the mm-hmm. interceptive like, hey, how am I doing, how am I doing, how am I doing? Because we're fully committed to the other. This mm-hmm. is why deep listening, Right? So if a depressed person comes in and we say, hey, are you taking care of other people? What do you mean? Oh, you're just focused on yourself so much, huh? <laughs> well, kind of, but I feel really badly. <laughs> go, go, go volunteer. Right. Go help. Right. So why is, that, why is that an actual, uh, actual studied practice? Mm-hmm. To volunteer for other people, to do co- service to other people it makes a dramatic impact for people that have moderate depression and mild depression because we focus our attention outwardly. Right. So this is one of the reasons mindfulness training. One of the reasons, many reasons, why mindfulness training is on a deep rise right now uh, as a as a practice.
1: But the interesting thing for me, because I've done a lot of work in the mindfulness area, you know, I've studied Zen. I've I, anyway a lot of stuff. We don't have to get into that, but yeah, we, yeah, we
0: do. But the I think it's really important. I do too. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I studied it. <laughs> um, but
1: I. There, there's an, there's an, you can easily slip into the notion that mindfulness seems like it would activate that same part because you're, you're by yourself, you're sitting in front of a wall looking. What else do you think about? What 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 else do you do? You're you you know, of course, you're thinking about me, 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 me. Like I'm, I'm not saying that you do do that, but I'm just saying is a, <clears throat> that could be a thought that, it's certainly a thought I've had. It's certainly a thought that I'm sure other people have.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a early knock an easy knock from one religion pick the religion on Buddhism for sure. Right. Which is, Oh, it's a navel staring, self-focused, right? right. The earl- So like you, I was exposed to meditation mindfulness. Probably. I don't know when you were, but for me it was 20 years ago when I was just kind of getting going in some training and my, my teacher says to me, no, 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 no. You focus as if the inhale depended on a loved one getting it right. Hmm. And then you focus on your exhale as if a loved one's life depended on you getting it right. That's a really cool thought because mm-hmm. one, that's an incredibly deep focus. There's no space literally for, am I doing it right? Right. And then as Gosh. soon as you say, am I doing it right? You go, oh wait, that's not focusing on the breath. Right. And that moment of, of distraction the moment that you're aware of the distraction, you know, the storyline around mindfulness is that I can't quiet my mind. No kidding. Neither can I. It's hard. But the moment that we have awareness of the distraction, that's the celebration. Right. It's like, oh, right. I'm doing awareness training right now. Okay. What do I drive my attention to? Well, I could focus on my back. I could, how it hurts right now because I've been sitting for 12 minutes or I could focus on the thing I set out to focus on. Maybe it's loving kindness. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a breath. Maybe it's an, in, in, an inhale or an exhale. But when
1: you're conscious of the fact that you're doing it, you're not doing it.
0: Yeah, that's right. So
1: it's a celebration in the fact that you are doing it. And then, okay, Lana, let's get back to business. And, and that's
0: exactly right. it. Right. So the moment of distraction, awareness of the distraction, there's two pillars of mindfulness, awareness, yep. and then um, wisdom, right? So awareness and or in slash insight wisdom. And so the awareness training, become aware of four things, deeper awareness of our thoughts, our emotions, our body sensations, and the environment around us. That is the awareness train. And as soon as you're aware that your mind is away from whichever the center of the attention, you know, the focus is, mm-hmm. then you just bring it back. It's, it's not, it's, it's so simple that it's hard to put words to.
1: Yeah, and I think it's easy to judge yourself for not doing, like you said, not doing it right. Like what, what is right? I, I had a, um, I interviewed um, Lauren Roach who's written lots of books. He's yeah. a PhD meditation yeah. teacher. He's been doing it for like fifty years. He has actually a surfer, grew up in Southern California. And um I did not know that. He uh he's got a beautiful way of of putting it. He he he's he's like look Meditation doesn't need to take the form that you think it might need to. You don't have to go to a monastery and be a monk. You don't have to you don't have to sit in Indian style or in lotus. You can do it sitting in your couch just like we're sitting right here, you know, like laid back lounging. It's it's like it's like it's what you would experience in the most comfortable chair you can possibly sit in, the most comfortable way you can think of relaxing and just Giving yourself a love and, and a hug and just being with yourself,
0: yeah, it's, it's like just, making love to yourself. You know? <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> funny because my first teacher, I was how uh, twenty some years ago, so I was twenty something, and he says, "Mike, I was I was the kind of um, for a young person, very cantankerous. Is that the right word? it's, like, know, is it's, a it's, good it's word. an old yeah. word for, yeah. for old people. My but, grandfather used to say that. Yeah, yeah right. So, so, but like, I was just Henri." You know, like a, more of a skeptic, which I'm not now. I'm much more open. And so, what? Do you, come on. You want me to what? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Right? Like, come on. <laughs> Please. And so he said, Mike, trust me, you need it. Like, you're so busy trying to shred. You're so busy right, trying to, right. you know, kill the wave or whatever. Like, yes, you need this for more rhythm. <laughs> you yep, know, yep, Yes. Yep. All right. And so, and because he had such a soul about him, I was attracted to what he, the way he was living. Yep. And so early on, I, was, I came, I come back to him. I was like, it's not working. Just like, you know, this is stupid. And he says, Mike, when you get this right now, mind you, I'm a 20 some year old. When you get this right, this is like a full body orgasm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's enough to keep a 27 year old.
0: Huh? Huh? keep his attention. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? What do you mean? <laughs> right, right. What is right. that?
1: <laughs> Okay,
0: I'll try it one more time. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I need a lot of practice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyways, um, there's so, so much, what's the
1: advantage of shutting that part off? That's thinking about you, me, 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 me. Like why, why well, is that?
0: That's related to really deep suffering. That part. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the self rumination, right? Because that quickly goes to like worry, depression, um, anxiousness. Like it really does it. Well, it's, it's linked to self suffering, to suffering. Sorry. So
1: people that aren't suffering and have never done any mindfulness training, do they just not have an active part of that of their brain there? How how have they? What how do you explain people that don't, have never had therapy? They're they're living great lives mm-hmm. and they don't. Do they not have that part? Is that part of their brain lopped off, or is it just
0: not? Uh... You know, that's a really cool thought. That's a very cool thought, and. No, I don't think so. There's, I mean, there's, of course,
1: I would, yeah, yeah, of course they don't. Of but, course but of it's course. there. Yeah,
0: but so genetics are part of it, and but you know the thought that people aren't suffering, my intent to come up for that, hmm. and there's degrees to it for sure. Right,
1: right, right.
0: I, I don't really. This is gonna sound like I've got this morbid kind of view of the world, I, and that's not it. Everybody I know, every person I know, me included, like there's a loneliness inside there's a questioning inside uh-huh. there's a yeah. am i good do i have it you know like what is my purpose like i don't mean that that's like this incredible suffering but when you really spend time yeah. to be present you'll feel some stuff
1: well isn't it interesting that i asked the question the fact that i think that there are people out there that are not experiencing life the way i am Who, those people out there you know all those people that are fine yeah that yeah. are and maybe everybody else has that same thought. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is thinking that same thing. And there's nobody ex- actually out there. That's right. Yep. You know, we do huh. this, That we, was a really cool, that just, that was a really cool experience.
0: <laughs> just having that. That is cool. Isn't huh. it? We do something similar, like in a, um, a corporate environment, we'll ask how many people here, um, how many, so just like, don't raise your hand, but just write a yes or a no. So it's survey. How many people in the room think that other people, for the most part have their life pretty well figured out. Yes. Right. right. Yeah, other people. Yes. And then how many, uh, uh, do you think that you have your life sorted out? <laughs> no, it's like
1: 90%, 10%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right.
0: right. <laughs> Same thing that you just experienced. Exactly. Right. So we do have that r- bias. Yeah. Right. That is other referenced that they must be better than me or yeah. they could be better than me. And, you know, and look, look at social media has taken off, right? It's, It's not a bad thing, but it's a, it's a other referenced experience. So look how great my life, my highlight reel is, Mm -hmm. and it's perpetuated that little thing like, well, see everyone's life is better, right? But that's been there for us for a long time. That's not new. It's just that technology has found a way, you know, to, to, um, amplify it, right? Yeah, it's good. We need it. We need that pendulum to swing in that direction. So it can swing in the other direction again and maybe come back to normal. But it
1: amplifies it in a global sense. So now the people that I'm comparing myself to are not just the 150 people in my local community who, you know, some are some are high skilled in one or one or two things. Now I'm comparing myself to the 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 massive high achievers in every aspect of life
0: all over the world. So for some, that's going to be a big problem. Right. But for others, that's going to be a radical accelerant for human performance. It's for inspiring for us. Oh yeah. Like yeah. look, look what happened to the four minute mile. We know that story right? with Bannister. Right. Right. He cracked it and then boom, bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Right. Okay. And that was before the days of video. So we had a, a little bit of a, a lag time. Right. So now we don't have lag time. Remember when you were growing up. So for me, for surfing, we had to wait for VHS to come out. Yeah. Right. And they come right. out what? Three like Three months. Cause you had to film it, cut it we, used to, it.
1: we used to go to the community center to watch Warren Miller. Warren Miller. I mean, Warren. Miller, he was the he, he was the guy in those movies were like just godlike. Yeah. And you couldn't get him on VHS. That's right. I don't. So, I don't think you could get him on VHS. You so had, had to, to go to, to a group. Uh, you know, a back scratcher. Like, whoa, look yeah. at that
0: back scratcher. And, yeah, and, and, right. And, 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 Glenn and, Plake was like one of my heroes. <laughs> That's right for a lot of people. And so, so, so then we had to wait another three months to see what what the people that were living the mountain life were figuring out, and we had to wait. Okay. Now that's not the case. Right. GoPro changed that. Social yeah. media platforms yeah. changed that, you know, and so we are see it bang, 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 right away. So the iteration process and the progression process, it's really exciting. Right. Now, right. if you get caught up in a self ruminating, am I okay, because I'm not able to do the thing that they're doing, then that becomes part of an accelerator. The judgment, well.
1: the self judgment. Yeah. The- so
0: that's the, that's why mindfulness is an, another reason why mindfulness is really important. It's because that, that default mode network that we're just talking about Mm -hmm. is self critique is self referenced is, um, uh, judging of self. Right. And so that's where the suffering comes from. So mindfulness, a definition, John Kabat-Zinn's definition of mindfulness is a particular way of being in the present moment, focusing in the present moment without judgment. Mm -hmm. And so it's that judgment that becomes challenging and problematic to anything we want to do in life, whether it's business or arts or sport or relationships or figure it out, you know, that judgment, that self critique at some point becomes um, a worn tread.
1: Yeah. Over- overwhelming. And mm-hmm. it take
0: kind of take, it can take over. Yeah. Yeah. It can get you good now.
1: I want to ask you a question back to your story of your, your, the three professors that help you turn the light bulb on. What was the moment? Was there a moment that the light bulb turned on? Like how was it gradual? Did it just take place over the course of the first yeah. semester there?
0: Yeah. Maybe first two semesters. It was gradual. There's a couple kind of watershed things and, that took place, but it wasn't like bang one, you know, it was a way that they were with me. It was a way that they were with people. And I was observing and they wouldn't know at the time, the impact they were having on me. Right. 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 It wasn't like I was on bended knee saying, Oh my gosh, please take me me in. It was just like this thing. It's like it was, it was a cultural experience that I was open to participating in. And then there was a moment when I asked, uh, one of the professors, I said, "Hey, listen, I'm waking up in the morning and I'm brushing my teeth. I'm overwhelmed at that point about how much I want to do and need to do and have to do in life, and my hands are shaking, and I'm anxious, and I'm 19 years old, eighteen, eighteen, nineteen years old, and I, I know there's got to be a better way. You know, I'm I'm just overwhelmed and with with life. So that's anxiety. Looking back, I mm-hmm. didn't know it at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's anxiety, and." he stopped me in the middle of me explaining my ill condition. And he said, Hey, when someone knocks on your door, do you have to answer it? And he walked away. And I thought, let me set, let me set the story up. So I, Hey hey doc, can I talk to you for a minute? He goes, sure, Mike, come on, let's walk to class. We're walking across the the open area, the green area of the the campus. And we're walking and I'm telling the story, Hey, I'm really having a hard time. I'm struggling, you know, filling the story. And he stopped the story. He interrupted the story and said, when someone knocks on the door, do you have to answer it? And they walked off. And I thought, man, psychologists are weird. What <laughs> the hell was it's that? It's a koan. He, yeah, it was your first koan. Yeah, yeah. So, what the hell? Right. And so... Um, What's the sound of one hand clapping?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that again?
0: How about the, the old you know, um, Tradi- mystic tradition of trying to figure out if you, when you wake up if it's an inhale or exhale? Oh, I've never heard of that. Isn't that cool? Oh God, that's going to drive me nuts. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> <No>. Wow. <laughs> Just without, without going too deep, what do you think yours is?
1: Inhale. Yeah. I wonder why. I have no idea why. I, yeah. Why?
0: That's good. It's, it's I got a 50, bit. 50 shot. So, I mean, yeah, red, or, right. red or black, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but so like, do you have as a, as a rhetorical kind of question, like, do you have that level of awareness at the beginning of your day? No, we don't because yeah, right. our mind kicks on right away. Oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. How about just be right here, right now in your bed, you know, fully, fully awake. So back to Jon Kabat-Zinn. Um, and if you're not familiar with Jon Kabat-Zinn work, oh, game changer. He's a beautiful man. He's been, we, uh, it's me with my professors as well. Like, I've said to him though like you had a great influence on my life thank you and and he gives me this warm hugs and John Kabat-Zinn. Kabat-Zinn yeah. Uh, he was one of your professors or he No, he's he's someone I met later in life. He was the reason so he is a uh, Harvard MIT PhD trained PhD mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so he goes to the East, studies mindfulness and goes, mm. "Whoa." He was the first, I think. He is often credited as the first that came back him and a handful of people around the same time, but he came back with a medical model. And said, "I'm going to study this thing,"
1: wow. and so he brought
0: hmm. the science of mindfulness to us. Hmm. And um, he's far more than a scientist, though. Right? Like he's a, right. he's an enlightened, you know, wise man. Yeah. And so, anyways, um, and he would say that back to your point about you know sitting lotus style. He'd say, "Yeah, that's good. You know, that's good training." But there's so many other ways. Right. And then right. he says, "By the way, this is not him. This is many people." By the way. There's a graduate level course too of mindfulness it's being mindful in eating it's being mindful in everything that you it's being mindful as a way of living they're still yeah. training so this is the interesting part of mindfulness i I'm not sure why we're here so deeply I think yeah, we I mean, both appreciate it yeah but mindfulness is a state and a skill right right that's where it gets kind of cool <clears throat> yeah so the state of mindfulness is the full awareness right i'm you and I are probably mindful right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then there's also a skill that you can train, which is deep focus or observation, right? Rich observation, something like that. Okay. So, so he'd say, you know, there's a graduate way of doing it as well. Like just how about living mindfully? Well, to do that, you've got to train the skill.
1: Right. Right. Yeah.
0: So, okay. So that's cool. And then, uh, where I was going is like, um, waking up. Well, I've lost my train of thought. I was waking up, being aware right when you wake. Oh, so what he says? Thank you, Mike. (laughs) 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 He says, "He says uh, when you wake up, you wake up your body, finish the job, wake up your mind, right? Get it right, right. finish the job. Get your yeah, right? right? Like isn't that a cool thought? Mm -hmm. Like finish it. So, anyways, let's take a quick break
1: and then we'll be right back. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Getting my meals delivered to my house for my lunches has been a life-changing experience for me. They sit in my refrigerator. They come from the good kitchen. They sit in my refrigerator for two weeks. They stay good. They're vacuum-sealed. They store very, very tightly, so they don't take up a lot of footprint in my fridge, and... They're delicious. I don't have to think about where my lunch is coming from. I get five per week. So if I have a business lunch or something else, I have meals on the weekend or I have a, I can eat one for breakfast or I can eat one for dinner and they're compliant with a whole life challenge. You can get vegetarian versions or paleo versions or ketogenic versions. Do yourself a favor and give them a try. Uh, You get 15% off your first order by using the link, thegoodkitchen.com forward slash
0: WLC. Let's get back to the show. So I'm standing in the area at the college going, you know, professors or psychologists are weird, but what he was trying to to uh, induce, if you will, is an interruption in the story that I've been telling myself a lot that I'm a mess. Yeah. And so that fundamental interruption is a gift. So where many psychologists and friends get things wrong is they help people tell the story, which deepens and greases the groove. Right. Right. So we do need to understand stuff, right you know, Like, okay, as friends, as whatever, as you know, people in deeper, like we need to understand, but then we also need to like fundamentally alter that relationship or that storyline. So he did that. Yeah. That was what he was doing, but it was just odd. It's like a, it's like a pattern interrupt. <laughs> mm, it's was great. Yeah. It? Yeah. And then, but the, but the way he interrupted, like, do you have to answer the door when someone knocks? No, but every time the disturbing knock that you do answer the door, I, I, it's me entertaining thoughts. Yeah. So the knock is a thought, right? Yep. I don't yep. have to entertain that thought of, man, I gotta, I there's so much, oh my God, I don't know. Like, am I going to get this done? This done? There's so much I got to do. And if it doesn't work out, I don't have to entertain any of that. I can just go back and brush my teeth. Mm-hmm. I could actually choose to f- focus on something else, which is like, man, I got a lot going on. I can't wait to see how I do, you know, like, well, I'm, well, I'm going to try to get out of the house in a meaningful time. You know, like I could, I could have any thought. And so anyways, that, that, that was a very disruptive experience for me early on. And it set me down even further. Like what is going on in my fricking head? Did you continue surfing? Like were you, yeah. did, were you yeah. as excited about surfing as you, as you had been? Yeah. I, um, I don't surf as much as I'd like to now, but I think about it as much as I did, then, <laughs> which is awful. You know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So yeah, I, I think um, for me, surfing is a place I work it out. You know, it's, right. People think like, oh, the ocean, that's people's altar. I don't, I don't know. It can be. But it's a place to work out like you know, competitiveness. It's to work out kind of how mind, body, environment work together. You know. But is it the ocean or is it the act of surfing for you? For, for me, I think it's my placeholder, if you will, for figuring the internal out. Surfing is great. It could be basketball for people. Right. Right. You know, I'm, I'm so it's the it,
1: act of doing, not just like we have a beautiful view of the ocean. That's not it for you. Yeah. I mean, that's
0: nice, but that's it's not part that. of it. Yeah. It's part of it. Okay. You know, the view is part, but the being in it is, is I think more important for me. Yeah. You know, so I'm business partners with coach Carroll. And so I, I the, just the way I talked about coach Carroll's the head coach of the sales Seahawks. Sorry. Right. Uh, the, the way that I just talked about surfing, he talks about it basketball with basketball. Oh, cool. You know, so one right. of our early conversations as we we're just getting to know each other up at uh, Seattle, he says, he goes, Hey, let's go shoot some hoops. So he, and he's dribbling the ball and we're walking out to the court and he says, this is where I work it all out. Hmm. You know, it was cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah same that's thing. That's cool. Yeah. And I hope everyone has that kind of thing. Right. Like, where do you work it out? That's a good question. I, I um, it's a good question. I mean, I think for me,
1: I always said that I glummed onto adventure racing because I had kind of ADD and I could do a lot of stuff. So I think for me, it's more the physical act of doing something where I have to be focused. So you know, like I've recently taken up unicycling. I taught myself to unicycle in the last three months, and somehow I can do it. it it's one of the most—it's one of the hardest things I've ever done, and most frustrating. Really. And um, but now I'm able to the other day I made it around my block twice. I only, I fell probably, I came down off the unicycle probably five or six times, but, um, it's, it's incredibly hard. And that's I after like a lot of, a lot of falling, 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 you know, hours going by where spend not even a half second up hmm. without holding on to a, you know, fence post. Cause I imagine you've got good balance. Yeah, but not for unicycling. No, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, 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 what about slacklining?
1: Yeah, I've done that too. I, you know, I, I didn't. Is that glum, hard for you? It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Like the, there's a wobble factor. You know that. I was um, wondering
0: if there's something similar between those two.
1: Well, no, for me, no. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, you know, you would think that I'd be maybe a little bit better at picking up unicycling, and maybe I am a little bit better at picking up unicycling than the average person because of all the stuff, the variety of stuff that I've done in my life, but it certainly didn't seem that way in the first month I was doing it. Like, I mean, over and over of failure. In fact, I started to try to, to pick up the skill kind of on a whim. I, I saw a buddy of mine, Ronnie Teasdale, who was, uh, unicycling all over the place. And I sent him a quick Instagram. I'm like, dude, how do you, if you wanted to do this, how would you do it? I wasn't really even thinking like I wanted to do this. And he goes, he sent me a reply. He goes, I got a unicycle hanging up in my office. You want, you want to come grab it? I'm like, shit he just called me out <laughs> i'm like Don't okay that. and yeah. that was a year that was about a year and a half ago i started doing it i practiced every day for probably three weeks and i only got
0: a little bit better and what, what did you realize I, about like your thinking when you first started if you go back to the first time you're getting on it mm-hmm. what, what were your thought patterns
1: Well, before I ever got on one, I thought, there's so many people I know that can do this. It couldn't, how hard could this really be? You know, like I remember very viscerally having that thought. I almost, in fact, I've never put a helmet on unicycling, which is bizarre to a lot of people. But as you become better at unicycling, you realize, not better, as you spend, if you spend 10 minutes on a unicycle, as long as you have something to grab onto, when you fall on a unicycle, the bike moves. You you don't fall down, and so you, I've never, uh, maybe three or four times, landed not landed on my feet.
0: And so, so
1: it's so. But, but my my initial thought was this couldn't be that hard. And then the first time I got it, I was like, uh oh, my world is I'm in a completely
0: different universe. Okay, so this is this is a really cool part of I, I think a part of the inner experience. Let, I start optimistic. Some people start pessimistic, and they never right. really get past it. Right. Okay, I don't. By the way, I don't know a world class tip of the arrow, best of the world, half percenter that isn't fundamentally optimistic.
1: Yeah, I'm totally optimistic. Right. My like, wife, my wife is is at nauseum telling me, "Jesus Christ, can't you sometimes see the glasses half empty?" <laughs>
0: like, no, it really yeah. never is. But, but so think about it. the best in the world. Why would they have a thought pattern that says the future ain't going to work? Why would you have that thought pattern? Of course you would think that the future is going to be bright. Yep. That's why yep. you're going to chip in and chipping in is required. Right. And what's required when you chip in is the exposure to failure coming up short, not having enough. Right. Publicly oftentimes. Right. And so what, why why, thi- why you can't hedge your bets yeah, right. and be the best in the world right. or, or more importantly, your best. Right. Isn't that a cool thought? Yeah. You cannot hold back and think that you're going to ever find your best. So a big part of my fascination of the human experience is on the razor's edge. Mm-hmm. That's where we work out some stuff for me, surfing on mm-hmm. the razor's edge. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's your razor. It's edge. my razor. You're edge. not Kelly Slater. No, no, right. Yeah. Yeah, my razor's edge out there. And by the way, you can't tell. So I love surfing. You can't go tell the boys on the surf tour that you surf. I've got that experience. What do you mean? So, I, you know, like i I've, it was awesome. Like a little kid growing up wanting to potentially maybe be a pro surfer. Uh-huh. Now I get to work with the best surfers in the world. Yeah, right, right, world. right. And they're like, oh, Mike, you surf? And I was like, yeah. Bad idea. <laughs> Just like, what was I thinking? Like, what? Come what? on. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So they're like, oh, let's go surfing. I said, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Like, this let's is go snowboarding. Yeah, right, but, yeah. You know, like, come on. Yeah. Jesus. So... So anyways, I've got fun stories there. And, um, <laughs> what happened? I mean, what? You know, so I, been, this was through Red Bull. Uh-huh. That I met a lot yeah. of the guys. And, um, and so. And they're super, by the way, these extreme athletes are incredibly generous,
1: fun, awesome people. I mean, my experience has been, I've never really, I mean, sure there's ego, but once you crack, once you're willing to go up to someone and get the nerve to, you know, go introduce
0: yourself and talk to them, they're incredibly awesome people. Well, you know, I think that many of them, there are, you know, most. Exceptions. Exceptions. I'm sure there are exceptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, but yeah. you would say mo- most. Most. Yeah, I, most. I don't. Yeah. So most have faced death mm-hmm. and um, they have lost greatly. Other people, yep, you know, yep. they've gone through tough times, injury, self-induced sometimes, whatever. Like, so there's consequences, environments of consequence people experience consequences. And when you experience consequences, it snaps you into the fragility of life, right? And you can embrace the fragility of life. And when you can embrace the fragility of life, you see more deeply other people's experience. If you're, if you've transcended the ego, the me, the look at me, I've got my hat on, I've got my swag on. Like that's a young version of the alpha competitor. That's not the, that's not the alpha competitor. That's the wise man or wise woman. And so that next level is, is they, they just really understand how fragile life is. And there's a, there's a great tone to their relationships, right? So that's exactly, I'm nodding my head going, yeah, it's great there. So my work with many of these guys, is like getting onto the razor's edge. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to do it physically. The razor's edge is not just physical, right? Right. It's always available to us in an emotional way as well. Vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So being vulnerable takes incredible courage. In, because right. you can be really hurt, right. and so so that's available to all of us. You know, if if you're if you don't have limbs and you don't have a heart capacity, and if you don't have a technical skill, you know that you have to or that you get to do because of whatever reasons, emotional vulnerability is available, and you can practice getting on the razor's edge that way. So my work with these guys is to help them get on the razor's edge, and but not in their not in Amph- the sport not, right not in the amphitheater they're most comfortable in in yeah. other amphitheaters yeah. and so we talk about heavy things and we do things that expose weaknesses and amplify strengths and like so and i'm di- i'm wait i'm kind of disappointed i'm looking at the picture of
1: Felix in the background and i'm thinking wow <laughs> you didn't so you didn't you didn't go up and jump with him you yeah, didn't
0: I, you didn't you didn't come no, on i know but <laughs> They didn't didn't customize another suit for me. Jesus, I know.
1: I thought, and I I thought you were like the world class guy that works with all the guy
0: doing their stuff. You know, come on, no, (laughs) you know, it was like I don't know, xx millions of dollars to do the jump. So no, right, of course, (laughs) and and of course, joking. Yeah, my hand was almost half raised, but not really. No one could see it. Yeah, God, (laughs) yeah, what he did was super incredible. Yeah, super incredible. So anyways, the, the boys take me out there. So they're like, okay, Gervais, you push us on the razor's edge. Okay. So I'm in Hawaii on the North Shore. Oh, God. You want to go surfing, Mike? Uh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I are you, do. Are I you a big to... wave? I mean, like, what's, no. what's the big stuff you... No. I mean, there's an imaginary line. Double overhead for me, like waves that are 12 foot or bigger. It's like, it's all business. Right. <laughs> you know, right. like... Right. And so you got to be in good shape. Yeah. You know, so, um, so it, was, uh, it was probably a right there. 12, 13, 14 feet, somewhere like, like pipeline that. Pipeline? Are you at some this of is, uh, It's called Pupikea. It's a fun little wave a little bit further south. Okay. And, and not intense, but I'm not in surf top sh- shape. And, yep. you know, they're laughing because the swell is building fast. Uh-huh. It's open ocean in Hawaii. Yeah, right. And um, it's just like, hey, paddle out this way. Go here. Go sit, you know, whatever. And it's big ocean. I don't know the lineup. I've never been there. Right. My heart's pounding. And, it's, it's um,
1: very disoriented. I mean, I've done a little bit of surfing. I'm nowhere near where you are and nowhere near where they are. And right, exactly. I, and, and when I go out and um, I'm in, a, especially in a new place, but even for me in places I've been before, I'm very disoriented. Like, I don't know how far away from the beach to be. I don't know where, I don't know where the big waves are going to come in. I don't know where the little, wave, you know, like I, I need other surfers
0: to, to help me yeah. figure it out. You know, there's this, there's this mythical thought that I think many of us have that we'd love to be in an empty lineup. Yeah right. But then as soon as it's empty, it's like, whoa, oh god, whoa, whoa, whoa. what am I doing I, out here? <laughs> I wish there was at least one <laughs> other dude here. <laughs> that's you know? Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, totally. So we need each other. This one of the funny things. I
1: was a whitewater kayaker for many years, and um, that experience of the lone guy on the break is the experience that I've had every time I drop into a either a big drop like not like that, but
0: uh, I'm looking at a picture of the is that the world record that's rafa ortiz yeah on Palouse falls that's like 180 yeah yeah um i mean look up in washington look at
1: that it's just i mean i've done drops that a big drop for me ended about here (laughs) you know which is about an eight a 16th of the way down maybe 20th of the way down 12 feet (laughs) yeah i mean i would do 12 feeters pretty easily yeah but like I think the biggest I ever did was like 25 feet. 25. That was was huge for me. Come on. And, uh, but, but uh, I was going to say every time I drop into any kind of a rapid class four, class three, class two, that you see this line, the other people that were in front of you that you were following disappear and you are on your own. You are, you are in your boat on your own. You're trapped in this little, you know, eight foot long hull and
0: it's make it or not. Yeah. Those are moments that really amplify our inner mind, uh, not inner mind, our inner experience. Those are the moments when we're on the razor's edge, about to get to the razor's edge. That's what I was asking, the razor's edge of getting on that thing. Yep. So you're optimistic. Yep. Back, yep. back to you, right? You're yeah, optimistic. Right. And then I think this is what happens for folks is that we get feedback that we don't have it. It didn't work yeah, out easily. Right. The way we right. planned or thought, that's where the, the training pays dividends. Do you stay the course? Right. Because you had a vision. I want to be yeah, right. peaceful. I want to be live a life of happiness and joy and contentment. And damn it, if those people wouldn't cut me off, if these people wouldn't just you know ignore right. my thoughts or whatever the thing that gets in the way is. Right. Right? Right. Do we have the conditioning of our mind to stay the course when it doesn't go the way we think it should go? Right. And the truth is we never know exactly how it's going to go. So it's much easier to have a mind that is very nimble and strong And if we can get the the balance of those two together, we can just like the strongest, oldest trees in the world, deep roots, and they sway at the top, so they can adjust to the weathers of the world. You know, doing that inner work is is pretty simple Mm -hmm. for me to say, but hard to do. Do you have a philosophy? Do you train that philosophy? And a philosophy is a set of principles. Mm -hmm. A guiding set of principles for your life so that you can line up your thoughts, your words, and your actions Mm -hmm. in any environment. And then can you train the mental skills so that you can adjust and stay the course when it's hard? Right. That's it. And so that sounds easy, doesn't it? It's taken me a lifetime to figure out really. Well, I
1: mean, I know that it's not, so I don't know if it's sounds. it doesn't sound easy to me.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, in fairness, you've spent a lot of time on the razor's edge, right? You know, you know what it's like to be, I don't know, eight hours into something right. when your heart is at. max capacity and, you know, and you've, and you're only, you've only scratched the surface, you know, and and it's like, go, go, go. Yeah. What am I doing? Right. So that thought, what am I doing this for? It's gotta be really clear. (laughs) Right. 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 Yeah. So anyways, that second thought, as soon as things don't go the way that you hope they would go, that's where it pays dividends to have invested in. How do I want to think then? Yeah. Right. And then the third time and fourth and fifth time, and you're getting feedback that it's not working out. Or well, you're, or this,
1: you're, this was the first time that I've ever quit uh, uh, in uh, in learning something new. Well, I mean, I don't know if that's true, but the one the only one that I can remember, I quit for a year. I, I was like, I did it for about three weeks and I didn't get as good as I thought I would get in three weeks, which I don't even know what I thought mm-hmm, I would get to. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'm too old. Maybe I'm just, I, I stuck it in the trunk of my car because the trunk of my car is easy access to my, to the outside. Anywhere I am, I can, I don't have the excuse of not using it. And it literally, it took the, it gradually went from being the thing on top of everything to the thing on the bottom of everything. And, uh, you know, like some of my son's baseball bag and all the other things. And then, um, it sat in there for a year. I mean, literally a year. And then a friend of mine, the beginning of this year said, I am going to, my commitment this year is to be a jump roper like floyd mayweather by the end of the year i'm like that is cool like she hadn't jump roped a lot before and uh she took this thing on and i was like that is cool what could i do like that that that's inspiring like it gets me motivated got that goddamn unicycle (laughs) (laughs) so i doubled down yeah i I, uh i went to unicycle.com and i bought a mountain bike unicycle which has got a disc brake which i can't figure out yet what that's for Mm. i've never used it but it looks cool Mm. and and it's got these big knobby it's got this big knobby tire it's instead of a i think my my learner unicycle was a 20 inch this has got 26 inch tires and you spent like 600 bucks on it and i I'm like okay. I, I, I that day, I literally, I I put my money down, and I have not stopped. And I've now, yeah, you it's know, cool. it's, it's there's, really so, cool. there's so
0: much cool in there. Which is as soon as you have an idea or a vision, you know, like a the vision word sounds so airy fairy, but it's I think it's a cool word, not vision board. I'm not yeah <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm saying using your imagination. As soon yeah. as you use your imagination to create an image that is exciting. That alone work. Nobody can do that for you, right? Okay, like right. you've got to see it and feel it and imagine it, right? And when you get that, call it lonely work, but it's alone based work. Mm-hmm. Once you get that thing together, you've there's a second action that has to come with it, which is some sort of commitment. And I know that you know the the science of goal setting and what you're doing with your with a whole life uh, challenge there, but saying goals out loud can is a double edged sword. You can go both ways. There are some science that says no, 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 say it out loud right? Because you back yourself into a corner, right? That's one way to think about it. Or when you say it out loud, you build a community of supporters. Sure. Right. Whatever way it is, it's an accountability metric. Mm -hmm. Sometimes saying it out loud actually diffuses the intensity of it. There's some science around that Mm, as well. Interesting. Yeah. Like, so I'm, I'm more of a fan of saying it out loud because I've been as thoughtful as I can building a community of people that love me and kick my ass. You right, know, and get right. both support and challenges, the two technical terms. Is
1: saying it out loud similar
0: to being willing to do it and fail publicly? Yeah. No, I, I think, I don't, I think that that's a different component. Okay. Yeah. So saying it out loud intensifies the accountability metric. Okay. Okay. But what you did is that you're saying it out loud was you uh, double down again is you put money. So there's a little bit of a financial pain. So right. money for most people is a um, precious commodity. Right. it's not unlimited you know so you're gonna actually pull in have a little bit of pain of a precious commodity you had to work for it unless you're trust fund stuff you know right, which right. that we know there's tra- challenges so for some do. people that doesn't that wouldn't work yeah. the, the money part wouldn't matter well there's a threshold okay yeah and so sometimes folks will come in and want to do some work with me and they just signed I get um, third contract folks often so that's ridiculous ridiculous dollars what does that mean third contract contract. so first contract it's like okay i got paid you know And we're talking like it it varies across sport but let's say 10 to 20 million dollars a year Uh i'm like wow oh i made it and it's like three three four years right you know like wow depending on sport second contract is like oh it's better you get a third contract and it's more and it's not on the downward side and so it's still an ascending contract right holy moly what these guys are cracking right and so um so but it changes things hmm. it's a different level of expectation and pressure it changes things for people and so it also changes their uh, others people's expectations of them you know in, a, in can, a good way yeah, a sometimes, or sometimes good sometimes bad okay yeah And one of the hardest things that many people have is their relationships with other people when they're fundamentally different from a financial standpoint. Right. You know, like, you know, and that, that's an easy storyline to figure out. You know, it it makes people very uncomfortable when others around them are more successful, Right. unless you really, really love them and are genuinely happy for them. Mm -hmm. And you are, by default, you are not self-consumed with, with that you, that you're making 200 X less, right? 10 X less, two right. X less, right? you know, whatever. Right. Imagine right. people that make, so most people that, you know, probably make somewhere similar to your financial earnings or your right. family's financial right. earnings. Right. Right. There's a comfort level there. Mm-hmm. And if you think about that, that's maybe okay, but maybe, maybe we also need to be around people. If money's important that you want to be around people that have a better understanding of money or have, mm-hmm. you know, changed the way that they think about money uh, for the, for the better. Anyways, my point is there's a threshold for everybody. Yeah, right. If it's right. if it's 600 bucks for you, it might be 600,000 donation if they yep, don't yep. commit to their thing and your business is actually built on that. Right. It's better for you to charge more. Yes. Right? And yep. and you're like, "Yes, yes, yes, yes."
1: Well, and we I mean, that's really all that's really the only leverage we have. Yeah. You know, unless unless somebody's willing to do the other things on their own. We we have no leverage. In fact, I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine, um, about coupon codes and why we got out of the business very early on around coupon codes and not giving them away. I, I, you know, I have a lot of friends that I could have easily seeded the whole life challenge with, with coupon codes. But what we found very early on, we we had one challenge where almost everything went wrong. Like technically we had all these issues and anybody that was in that challenge, we invited back for free. Mm, Cool. And well, of course it was cool. Yeah. And, What we saw, which was, this wasn't, wasn't an intention. It was a fun experiment. What we saw was the drop off rate in the one that everybody came back in for free was it plummeted like people's engagement. Just there was no skin in the game. They had no, they had no commitment or investment that, yeah, they got it for free. And so it, it, it reinforced our thought that, you know, Hey, We should really minimize free free codes for this thing. If somebody wants to experiment, okay, great. They're the CEO of a company. They're investigating for their hundred employees or their thousand employees. Great, bring your C team in and play for free. But the chances are that the results that they're going to get are 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 stunted, are blunt, are blunt, blunt, blunted, stunted, both. Yeah,
0: I can, <laughs> I, I can nod my head. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And, well, the psychology is pretty clear about that. Yep. You give someone something for free or, or ask them to pay $5, the people that pay $5 have a um, deeper appreciation for the same exact product. Right. Same for appreciation for beauty. You tell people that we're going to spend some money and get dressed up, even if you get a free ticket, okay? Um, but it's the preparation for beauty, and we're going to go to the opera. We're going to go to a violinist or you know a, a pianist and, and watch this amazing um, act of art, and you take that same celloist or violinist or pianist. Let's do violinist because this was the actual experiment. And you put them in ragged clothes, and you're in in a different mindset. Mm-hmm. You're not in your bow tie or your formal gear, and you're coming out of the subway. The violinist is in, in sitting on a um, there's, milk a, there's crate. a video, yeah, with this. It's, mm-hmm. it's um, a who, good social experiment. Who is it?
1: It's one um, of the it, world's is best. Perlman, or and some famous violinist. Yeah,
0: and nobody's nobody even stops. Some flip. flip nickels yeah right. <laughs> right and it's the best artist in the world so right. and that's not a knock on humans that's that's an important concept to embrace that we need to prepare ourselves for art and right. we need to prepare ourselves to do work to change and so part of the preparation is sharing a and deeping into uh, reaching into our pocket and making a financial commitment mm-hmm. you know that's part of it there's other ways to do it there's other you know you can make a donations. You can do other things. Right. right. I, I'm, on, I'm, I'm about that business model for sure. The psychology of that is right. 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 Yeah. You, know, you guys are doing a great job there.
1: Let's take a quick break.
0: Was there something in this podcast you've heard
1: up until now that you think someone else in your life would benefit from hearing or understanding or learning? If so, please do me a favor. Do our community a favor. Do the guest a favor and forward the link to the podcast to your friend. This podcast, the Andy Patronic podcast, lives and breathes based on your willingness to share it with other people. It's the only way we grow. Uh, if you're super stoked about a particular episode or the podcast in general, another way you can help to grow it is to leave a review in iTunes. You can click, you can't click the link, you have to type the link, bit.ly, B-I-T dot forward slash Andy Patronic podcast. It'll open up iTunes and you have to navigate your way to the review section and you can leave and write a review. So please do that for the sake of the community, for the sake of my guests and for the sake of the show itself. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks. And now let's get back to the show. We both promised that we would get back to that thought from way back, however long ago, an hour ago about habit change and whether it's an action first or a thought first. It just popped into my head during that break. Um, okay, I'm back there.
0: Cool. <laughs> What's the answer? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, okay. So cognitive behavioral training, CBT, and as a field of study. Rational emotive therapy or training, another field of study. And these are both kind of technical nerdy terms in the field of psychology. There is... I would, I don't know the exact number uh, of people in the field. If we surveyed them, you know, of licensed psychologists or neuroscientists, most would say thought precedes emotions okay, and precedes actions. Most there is good research that says it ain't so clean, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, there's really good, uh, Damasio out of, out of USC goes, hmm. and so he's a neuroscientist that, that really understands this, the stuff at a deep level and says, uh, eh, it's like a bang, bang experience. You know, they kind of happen together. Mm -hmm. It's very complicated, multi-factored, multi-dimensional response to a very thoughtful question, which is what comes first. Now, I think, because I think you're asking that question to try to understand how can we better, how can we, uh, not better, I want to say the second word better. How can we better get better? (laughs) How how can, how can we thoughtfully get better?
1: Well, it really came more from the standpoint of people that are looking to make a change. Is there a better way to start? Do they need to start with a thought and, and their actions will follow or can they just pattern interrupt like we, like your professor did with you, but from an action standpoint, just show up in spite of how you feel. You need both.
0: So uh, that's, I I put a period behind that. Like, I want to say more and I will say more. You need both. And so if you just change the behavior and the thought stays old, we call them dry drunks. I'm not drinking anymore, but I haven't changed the thought that led me to drinking. So when I'm socially around people, I'm grabbing, my knuckles are white and I'm grabbing because I'm I'm so freaking tense and agitated right. and I'm embarrassed and I don't know how to be. So you need both. And where do you start?
1: Well, will the thoughts follow. I mean, I guess that's a, sometimes they will and
0: sometimes they won't, I guess. Yeah. Right. right? Like, right. so then that means we're leaving our thoughts to chance. Yeah. yeah right. If there's only right. three things we can train, why would we do that? So my approach is let's do, let's do both. Right. Let's, in yeah. some things, yeah. let's change our thoughts first and watch how the behaviors change become more eloquent and in some cases let's just change the behavior so for me okay now my i'm biased my training has biased me mm-hmm. to really value the the thought experience right like right thoughts right. have that's your whole
1: yeah, job it's your whole business
0: and Unless you're on in the lineup with Kelly Slater. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, and so the end there is that if, if I don't help extraordinary doers be consistent with what they're doing, if I don't help them win, is the easy kind of butchering of that, that more eloquent exchange of, of uh, services, that they fly back on their jet and I'm on a bus home. Right. So right. we need right. both. And all of us, every person listening, you know, in your community needs both as well. Extraordinary thoughts and extraordinary doing, you know, now let me go up like five levels for just a second. Sure. Is that there's an old thought that, that many of us have that we need to do more to be more. We need to do extraordinary things to be extraordinary. And that is well, we're doers, right? I mean, Mm. this is the. This a is, human doing or a human being? Yeah. All you know, right. Well, there's a, there's both. Yeah. So we have over-indexed on the doing, and that's born out of the Industrial Revolution when machines were going to take our grandparents and great grandparents' jobs, and they came home. The strong came home and said, "Uh-uh. Hey family, right. hey kids, there's machines coming. I'll be damned if they're going to replace me." John Henry is this. St- I love that story. From mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm gonna work. And I'm going to be, I'm going to figure it out. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So they pass that on to us and we're feeling the fatigue of the overbalanced model that I need to do to be, I need right. to do more to be more. Right. And it is time to really squarely look at that and say, hold on. What if I invested in being and let the doing flow from there? What if I invested in being here, being present, being authentic, being gracious being strong and let the doing flow from there. Mm -hmm. What would happen? My experience is that the doing has this extraordinary output Hmm. because we're not focused on the actual doing. And by the way, when we're focused on the doing, we're not actually doing it. We're thinking about the doing. Mm -hmm. And that becomes like a strobe light effect. It's not analog, Hmm. it's digital tick, 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 tick. And that's not what the most skilled masters of craft, people in flow state, everyone's experienced with flow state, the zone, if you will, mm-hmm. it's analog, it's fluid, right? Right. right? It's not right. the tick, tick, tick of digital. Right. And so the tick, 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 like that digital experience is this interruption of thinking and observing and critiquing. That's right. like the strobe light, the bang. bang. the value, the, the constant evaluation. Right. right. And right. so figuring out ways to triple down our focus on the, the um, being experience, and trusting that the doing will whip from there in the powerful, fluid, nimble way to, to be able to you know, do the extraordinary. That's that's how this really works now, whether it's corporate world or whatever. And we've got the experience in corporate world that our job is to think critically and creatively and to share those those ideas. Mm-hmm. That's, our, that's our asset. The human capital, if you will, is to use our mind. We are professional sitters, so our doing... <laughs> you know, is really more over-indexed on the, on the thinking part. Right, right. That's how we do, right? So there's, in ancient wisdoms, thoughts and actions are no different. You think about cheating on your wife, it's the same as doing that. You think mm-hmm. about being loving and kind, it's the same as doing it. That's a that's interesting. That's an interesting thought. Mm-hmm. I, I would say in a more modern approach is that we need both. Back to that. Right, right. right? So just doing a loving, kind act, but thinking. So let's say I make you soup cause you're sick. But inside I'm saying this son of a bitch is always, why do I always awesome. have to make him? Right. You know, why am I doing this? And right. you know, I'm trying <laughs> to be gracious. Yes. That's that. That doesn't work. Right. Right. So back up, back up to the doing and being flipping that model and saying, let me invest in the being. I I have found personally in my life, you know, the, the 40 some years that I've been alive, 46 years I've been alive that has paid dividends for me. And I've seen it pay dividends for tip of the era performers you know, to say, oh yeah, come back to being me, being authentically me and expressing what I know to be true, taking risks to explore that truth, that, that changes the outcome in dramatic ways.
1: And to do that requires knowing what it is to be you. That's right. Which goes back to what you were saying about your values, your uh, philosophy, your philosophy, your personal philosophy.
0: Yeah. And then, so we would suggest that the most extraordinary doers in the world, go back to the slot now, were really clear about who they were. Mm-hmm. And they, that's the philosophy. That's the being part. And what does that mean? They were able to have very deep clarity about their philosophy and their purpose or mission. Let's think of Helen Keller. Let's think of Martin Luther King Jr. Let's do mm-hmm. Martin Luther, Dr. King for mm-hmm. just a moment. What do you stand for? Humanity, uh, equality. Yeah. And, easy. Right. right that, that you don't right. have to work too hard for that. Right. No, like, right. You know, because he lined up his thoughts and his words and actions in right. every environment right. likely got him killed. Right. Okay. Right. Now you take that. And there was a particular tone that he had about it, which was nonviolence using nonviolence. Mm-hmm. Now let's go to that's his, one of his contemporaries, Malcolm X. What was he about? Equality. And that's all, that's what he thought about Mm -hmm. most of the time. That's what his words were about. And that's what his actions are about. But he had a different tone to it, which is like, no, 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 by any means necessary. Right. So there, there's a style to one's philosophy that is unique to you, Hmm. that is unique to the person, the consistency of that style, the consistency of thoughts, words, and actions in any environment is the mark of a master is the mark of somebody who has mastered the inner world and mastered their craft on the external world.
1: But aren't there people who haven't necessarily spent the time that it takes to think through their philosophy and they are just doing it without even knowing it? Sure.
0: I think most people, my experience is that most people, let's say this happens over and over again, a room of 500 to 5,000 people. Hey, how many of you have a philosophy? About 20, 30% would raise their hand. And then say, Great. How many of you could come up right now? One of you, I'm going to ask one of you, keep your hands up, to come up on stage and share your philosophy in 25 words or less. <laughs> About half mm-hmm. or more half of go that. down. Yeah. Right. So yep. now we're down to, in like, say, 10%, somewhere in there. Um, hands up. Say, Great. Um, seriously, one of you come up. Only the narcissist moves. <laughs> right. Right. Like most right. Pe- right. Like most people haven't done the work yet to say, this is my philosophy in life. Right. So we like to sharpen it just a little bit more and say, first pass, right, 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 right. Talk, 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 talk. Get clear. What is your 25 words or less? Mm-hmm. And all the words of your native tongue, what do you stand for? What are the principles you stand for? And then we sharpen it saying, could you get that out at knife point in a dark alley?
1: Hmm.
0: That's a razor's edge now, right? Right, and so right. at knife point, what do you stand for? Imagine me. No, no, don't do that. That's weird. Imagine someone came up to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's pull pulling. Yeah, right. And, so it's, and, and it's got a knife. That. Yeah, a knife, <laughs> and a knife to your back and says, "Hey, I'm crazy and I'm I'm gonna gut people. I'm gutting people if they don't know what they stand for." <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, right? Right. Twisted mind. Sometimes they live in. So, could I get it out?
1: Right. Right.
0: I think that's a cool moment. And that, that was like born from this idea about what happens. I don't, this is not a belief system I have right now that one day this is like a child's story, a child's version. I think, and this is me working it out in 2018 today Mm -hmm. that a child's version of what happens after we die is that we're going to be met by at the pearly gates as the story goes. And you know, will I pass that test? Well, like, right. I don't, I don't. I don't think that's how it works. Right. I, you know. Okay. Right. So so, but can I pass that test now in flesh? Do I, right. Like, right. Am, like, do do I know what I stand for? Right. Am I living that's with a great,
1: conviction? That's a great question.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Yeah. So, am I? I mean, it's like I said. There's some people that are already doing it, and they just haven't spent time thinking about what it is they're doing.
0: I. You know. I. I'm, I'm curious about that. What do you mean by that? Like, what is the image that you have there?
1: Well, did. You brought up Helen Keller. Did Helen Keller know what she stood for when she was doing what she was doing?
0: Let's do Rosa Parks.
1: Sure. Okay, Rosa Parks. Yeah.
0: So she sat on she sat on the bus, she said, I'm not moving. Right. What came first? The action or the thought? I don't know. How would you know? I think it has to be the thought for me. Because so people are coming. So she's seen. Well,
1: there's There's got to be some emotion that has built up over years of. She wouldn't just randomly do that. Right. Right. right.
0: Yeah. That's, that's my thought is that she's for. She was sick and tired of having yeah. to go yeah. to another seat. Yeah. Right. She was tired of it. So that's a thought. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you when you link your thoughts and your emotions to facilitate actions that are meaningful to you, you got something. There.
1: But you have, but you're not necessarily conscious that you've done that. Is, I guess that's really what I'm driving at. Like you, you haven't necessarily done the conscious work that you would do say, if you were working with you or you're working with a coach or you're working, you know, to, to sit down and lay it
0: out. Here are my things. I think that that's right. You know, that's why the 30, 20% of people raise their hand. They've done some, they've done of the work. work. There are some. other people in the room
1: that are living in alignment with their values. They've thought it through. They don't, they're not even
0: just even aware of that. They're, they couldn't say it. Right. Yeah. So that makes that, that feels to me sloppy right you know right. and I'm, I'm not being critical
1: well you work with people who you can't afford to be sloppy you can't like you know no. right.
0: like you get you, sloppy up on the razor's edge these
1: guys are right they're, and, and they're, they're, they're alex and
0: alex. Have you, you, you've worked with alex i'm sure well no i i was fortunate enough to have alex on on the podcast oh cool Rastry. cool yeah. and so i've studied and watched him from a distance and to be able to it's make, frightening what he does oh, it's fr- absolutely it's thrilling
1: it's, it's thrilling too, but I mean, my palms get sweaty. Just the idea of, cause I've done, you know, some rock climbing, not
0: like that. <laughs> See, <laughs> There's gotta be the caveat for the amateurs. There's gotta be the caveat in there.
1: Oh my God. So switching gears, um, a little bit, I want to talk about kind of what you're up to now cause you've got some really exciting projects going on and, um, things happening that we haven't talked about yet.
0: Cool. That's fun. So there's like three ways that I've organized my professional life, three working laboratories, if you will. The first is um, a partnership with coach Carroll and he and I built on the back of our intellectual properties. We've built a business where we're taking his know-how on how to switch on a culture to help people become their very best and my know-how or ideas around how to help people train their minds to become their very best. Mm-hmm. And we've taken, basically, it started like almost like a back of a napkin, you know, like the challenge that, that he had for me was, do you think, or the question was, do you think anyone outside of sport would be interested in what we're doing, which is culture and mindset linking?
1: No, I don't think anybody
0: else would be interested (laughs) in that. (laughs) Isn't it funny
1: the questions we ask ourselves? (laughs) But it
0: was like, at the moment, it was like this novel question, like, I don't. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Cause Maybe. So, yeah, because like, we're so in our world. And so, right. so we wrote it down, like what he does, what I do, what we did together. And we shared those thoughts with Microsoft. And
1: Now, your connection with Coach Carroll, you were, were you hired at some point to work with the Seahawks? Or? Yeah,
0: uh, I was like, so my journey was into pro sports where, like I started off on the wrong foot. Hired by the GM back to that story. Yeah, right. And, right. in hockey, right? Yet. Yeah, hockey. Yeah. And hadn't met the coach yet. And the coach was. Did like, you
1: even know that you could do something? I mean, what you were. No. Had you worked with any sports people before, <laughs> teams, or anyone?
0: No. I, Why'd they hire
1: you? Yeah. <laughs> Good
0: question. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, looking back, I mean, yes, I had worked with some individuals, I'd never worked with a team before. And I didn't come from hockey, nor did I come from stick and ball sports. Yeah, right. I did have an understanding about how the razor's edge works and how the mind works on it and going to it. And like I did have that beginnings of understanding. Was
1: it more theoretical um, from school at that point?
0: Well, yeah, but working it out in consequential environments myself. Okay. Surfing and and whatever, whatever. So, and then, you know, I think that looking back, that's been really important for me is to really do the work of risk-taking mm-hmm. in consequential environments for me to really, really know it, you know, as best as I possibly can. And you know, I, I started when I first started in the field, folks said, Hey, get good at research. Cause there's no real jobs in sport and performance psychology. Right. So Wow. So, that didn't sound good to me. That's not, I'm not, my mind doesn't really work. You don't way. seem like a researcher. No, yeah.
1: Lock you, <laughs> lock you into a room with uh, no, you know, no lights and or, well, no, no outside contact and put a lab coat on yeah, and it, it didn't you're incredibly me. personal and no, personable and, you know, conversational and, you know, you like to surf. What, come on.
0: Yeah. So I started teaching and, The second semester I was teaching, I felt like a phony because I was teaching about the principles that researchers, bright minds had said are best practices. Yeah. And I just felt like this phony, like I needed to go carve my path. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so hockey started and the coach looked at me, brought me into his room. He bags the guys. He knows I'm coming in. This is back to hockey. He knows I'm coming in and he bags the guy an extra 15 minutes on the ice, like just really flushes them, you know, heart rate up the last 15 minutes.
1: Have you met the coach at this point? No.
0: So no, you don't even, re- on the ice. do you even know what um, you're doing there? No, no. I, yeah. I, I'm, I know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of showing up in the wrong clothes. On <laughs> off, on a hockey rink. Like Wow. It's colder. But what did they hire I'm you to
1: do? Was there, a, but was there a mission? Was there a, like, there's a problem here that you needed to fix well, or just thought
0: that it would be, they were progressive. They okay. were ahead of the game.
1: Yeah. Right. Cause it's, there wasn't a profession then, mm-hmm. well, so
0: we, kind of. I mean, the the industry is probably sixty years old. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, I mean, it goes way back. William James, Doctor James, was the kind of first bright mind in psychology and mm-hmm. philosophy to study the extraordinary, and so it, it does go way back. But okay. There wasn't a beginnings of an industry till probably forty years ago, mm-hmm. maybe sixty in that range, where scientific journals and studies and um, it's one of the reasons I chose my PhD program because the father of applied sports psychology was teaching at this particular university. And so think about that. The father of applied sports psychology, the father, the American dude, right. And you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm only 46 and this was 20, 20 18, 20 years ago. Yeah. Right. So it's a new, yeah, it's, it's p- a relatively new sub-discipline. In the right. Psychology. Right. So, so they were on it. The hockey crew was on it. and, I haven't met, I'd be curious about for you. I haven't met a coach or an athlete that doesn't nod their head up and down when you like say, Hey, how important is the mind in what you do? (laughs) Right. And then, and then, Oh yeah, important. And then the easy kind of silly question is like, well, what percentage of the mind is important? You know, this is like, think about elite franchises in sport or best in the world in action sports. And they go, Oh, it's important. What what would you say? Like what would you, you were one of the guys, what would you say?
1: Well, I mean, I would never say it's more important than the physical aspect, but if you're putting it on a continuum, like physical over here and mental over here, is that kind of the way you look at it? Because I would say it's like 100-100. Yeah,
0: that's right. That's you know, right. there's no... Yeah, it's a cool thought. It's there's not, no yeah.
1: continuum. Yeah. There isn't a continuum that would work. Yeah, like you need. I wouldn't 100. trade the physical. I wouldn't decrease. I wouldn't say, okay, well, give me eighty percent of the physical, and uh, and then we'll train twenty percent of the me- like. Th- no, I need 100 hundred, hundred.
0: Right, and that's exactly how it works. Now, what happens for most people is they phys- they formally train their craft and their body. Yeah, and, a and then they do, r- going back
1: to what we were talking about. To
0: earlier, right? So let's say that let's say both of those are ninety and ninety. Yeah, so like on point. There's a yep. little banged up, knick knack, medical injury or no one's perfect mm-hmm. you know, no one's 100 free throw shooting or otherwise you know like whatever it might be so let's say 90 90 that's like 92 92 something like world sure. class up in that range okay 98 98 whatever you want to do and then let's say it's on the um one to hundred scale 70 percent mental you're you're 70 like you've been, like it's good mm-hmm. right it's a c in in you know coursework yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah yeah uh, yeah okay that's pretty good now But you know what happens under pressure, everything changes a little bit. Yep. Okay. So we, I think everyone that I know has just about everyone I know has felt choking or micro choking. Mm -hmm. So you think about the stages of performance, choking, micro choking, performing, performing under pressure, thriving under pressure. And there's one more dissolving pressure. Hmm. Really cool. Rare air. Hmm. Okay. So we, like I
1: almost think, better there than you would be. You have to be there. You need the pressure to perform at your best.
0: Dissolving pressure though yeah. is where this amazing experience where we snap into the present moment and right, an awareness right, and right. action it just goes and everything away. merges right. and it's like, right. you know, like it's a fluid adjustment to whatever comes up and it's masterful. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's a rare air space. So let's think about the pain of choking and micro choking. So why that word choking? It's Hmm. because our mind constricts and chokes off access to our craft. Hmm. So if the mind is at 70 and the body and craft are at 98, we've already got like a deficit,
1: the weak link is the mind is
0: the mind, right? Because most people, my experience, most people, and this is changing now, especially in the elite sport is that they haven't formally trained the mind so they've been making it up in pretty cool ways mm-hmm. but they've been their psychological framework the the way their thought patterns emerged are from their parents i don't know maybe they were world class maybe they weren't mm-hmm. their uh, mentors maybe they were world class maybe they weren't muscle and fitness magazine, outside magazine, you know, shape magazine, like popular media has shaped thoughts.
1: Yep. Culture. Right. Yep.
0: Coaches, Mm -hmm. professors, maybe it's not the best, but it's what you got. Right. And you're trying to figure it out and you buy some self-help books, you buy this, that, and the other, you, you know, okay. But formally training and customize a a mental training program for you is possible. Mm -hmm. And where do you go to do it? sport performance psychologists, or certainly I would say at the tip of the arrow there and investing in a bespoke program for you for, for most of us feels like the, like, right. yeah, like, of course. Yeah. So what does that mean? It means psychological framework, which is how you see the future, how you make sense of yourself, how you explain events. Right. And then, um, there's self-discovery, like, who are you really? That's mm-hmm. another component. Those are two. So let me, let me go back up self-discovery psychological framework mindset skills that's a third pillar or component okay. Okay. mindset skills are like can you generate a sense of calmness in any environment can you generate confidence in any environment can you focus deeply in the present moment those are skills mm. can you trust yourself to adjust and pivot in any environment okay mental imagery those are those are mental skills you can train those mm-hmm. just like you can train your biceps you can yep train those. yep same with self-discovery. You can condition and train those same with psychological framework. You can develop the optimism. You can train optimism as you well know. Right. Okay. And then, uh, recovery, you know, so, and, oh, and mindfulness, that's the fifth pillar. Okay. And that mindfulness is actually a thread that runs through all of them. So you can train all of those skills and that's what a program that coach Carol and I put together, hmm. that's, we take those five components with sub components in each one Okay. and very applied skills. That people can do, and we've been fortunate enough to work with Microsoft from Satya Nadella and his executive team as the CEO, cascaded throughout the organization, and they've taught us so much. Wow! And um,
1: did you have the program put together before you went to Microsoft? Like, or did they help you?
0: They, they were like, trans- like were they like the
1: beta testers yeah. of the?
0: Well, we had. This is this, that's a good question because the mind doesn't change a- across domains. Like the same mental skills required to be a great chess player are many of the mm. same mental skills required to do off peak skiing. Right. You know, right, focus, right. calm, confidence, optimism, you know, grit, which is passion, perseverance for long term goals. Like all of that stuff is required independent of domain. So, yes, we had a way. However, we didn't understand the subtleties and nuances of global corporate rhythms.
1: Right. Right.
0: So, they helped us understand that what a great teacher they are. Like that's <laughs> a massive, impressive, intelligent mammoth of a company with yep, a, you yep. know, 130, 140,000 employees. Yep. And so Satya Nadella, the CEO says, guys, this is great. Can you, can you, this is like, and he was already on his ideas of culture that he wanted to shape and create. And like his, his mission is to really help people have a deep meaning life. Like that's what he wants. to do. Well, the mission of the company is to empower people. Organizations and people across the globe, like that's a really cool thing to do more, right? Right. right. And so, so he understands intuitively that it starts with investing in, in the quality of being, and and it
1: starts inside. starts inside. It starts inside him, and then it propagates out to his employees and to his people, and that has a massive impact on the rest of the world.
0: Pebble in a pond, right? And so he says, "Can you do this for a hundred thousand people?" And it's like. <laughs> I, I'd
1: love to be asked that question. Yeah, <laughs> like, man, you know, can can just, you do the whole life challenge for a hundred thousand people? um <laughs> Shit. uh Yeah. I, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> that could
0: at that point, we was, could. You know, I, yeah. Coach and I looked at each other. Pete and I looked at each other. Like, yeah, we need some scale. Right? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> So they've God. taught us, you know, we hired Olympians, we hired sports psychologists to, to do in-person trainings. Uh-huh. So being taught by an actual doer and then a thinker, you know, uh, the science and the, and the art mm-hmm. in, in the amphitheaters. And so we've done, um, and then towards the end of it, we, they showed us how to do real scale using technology. Right. And so we've right. got a, a basically an online experience as well. So we've got an in-person and an online experience and over the last 18, 24 months, we've trained 240,000 human hours of mindset wow. training. Wow. Really fun. And now we're just starting to open that up to some other enterprises. So we've, we've better understood, refined it. They've helped us. We've mm-hmm. been, they've been great partners. We're so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Satya and team. And um, one of the leading minds over there, Judson tough, uh, which reports directly up to Satya, has in part part um mostly responsible for sales and marketing like and i don't know the exact title that that he's got right now but just been a avant-garde a tip of the era guy that says yes 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 has created an amazing pathway for us to learn so then um we built our ecosystem to do that with other enterprises and mm-hmm. eventually we're going to go to smaller businesses and then bundles of, of individuals you know so we're not quite at the open the floodgates it we're not right, ready for right, it right right and so we're super excited about it so that's what we're doing that's one working laboratory how to take ideas and and work with them at scale and our mission is to impact one in five people in an organization mm-hmm. and one in five because everyone's got five friends right pebble in a pond experience yep. and if we do one in five in an organization rad if we got a hundred that'd be pretty cool but one in five and then what about one in five in another in um uh, enterprise what about one in five on the west coast what about right. Right. You know, in the in the middle of America, what what about one of five countries? Holy mackerel! Right. And right. We start to really think, and technology can allow people to do that now. Yeah. Right. Right. So there we are, and then uh, and it takes time to mm-hmm. change thoughts and habits and uh, patterns. You know, it takes time to do that. It takes real work. Yep. As you well know, and
1: uh, and it takes a repeated. Uh, repeated it. it, it, it just takes an ongoing commitment, mm-hmm. you know, like it doesn't just happen. Well, it can't, it can just happen as you pointed out, but it, for most people, it doesn't just happen. It's, it's, it, uh,
0: it can ha- so habit patterns. six weeks is mm-hmm. a pretty well accepted thought about six weeks. It can also, you can sh- fundamentally change everything about yourself in a nanosecond. Like, and we see that from a post-traumatic growth experiences and mm-hmm. post-traumatic disorder experiences that people change. Bang. Right. Everything's different. And so it's important, I think, to always leave open that things can happen fast, but in a more thoughtful way, most of us need to groove the grease or grease the groove and deepen the groove. And that requires a consistent rewiring of thoughts and behaviors. Right. That's, you know, until we can get it to the non-conscious level where we're not having to think about things. So yeah, that's it. So that's, that's one work in laboratory and it's been fun and hard. And it's wonderful. very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And that's called compete to create. Hmm. So we took our two, um, the most important words in our philosophies. Coach Carroll's is always compete. Mm-hmm. We took that word. Mm-hmm. We're not marketing people, by the way. <laughs> so, right. so we took his philosophy and my philosophy and the key word of my philosophy is about creating. Uh-huh. And so it, uh, every day is an opportunity to create yeah. a living masterpiece. So we I took love those it. two words compete to create. And that's it. And so that's that business. And that's compete to create.net. Um, cool. And then finding mastery is an extension. That's a second working bucket bucket, which is, you know, just really working to understand, continue to, to understand like, how do the best minds in, in the world work? And that's right, a podcast. Right. right, right, right. mastery podcast.net. Cool. No, findingmastery.net. And then, um, and then I've got a small boutique, experience in la for just a couple clients a month that i stay in the trenches with that, and i do the work Are
1: oh, you just minimize is that a minimal part now if you're
0: yeah so two folks a month and mm-hmm. the way that we structure that is like really intense in-person experiences and do you
1: like to work with people in long blocks of time or do you work with them in shorter blocks of time like a
0: lot of times short and in, uh, i'm sorry intense So eight hours in one day. Oh, wow.
1: Wow. That's kind of long. I mean, I would say that's long and intense.
0: Your response is like, I can't imagine. Eight hours
1: hours in a room, room. like focused on me being better, a better version of me. That's a lot.
0: By the end, we are both exhausted. Absolutely. And we've driven relentlessly to insight, better insight about who you are and how you work. And then at the end of that eight hours, we'll have a really clear understanding of the mental skills and training to do the psychological skills training to do. So, so it's a
1: so eight eight hours with you is um is just literally you I mean sure you have a process but is yeah. it talking mostly is yeah, it yeah
0: there's some doing and there's some talking like so we'll do one thing to get right to the edge physically and we'll mm-hmm. do a lot of things to get right to the edge emotionally right you know and then so that creates deeper understanding of and insights and how do
1: you do you like hang them hang them like, off the edge of the of the uh, balcony for like the physical part. <laughs>
0: I'll keep my, I'll just keep my mouth quiet. Okay, yep. all right. We do something to get you know, get on the edge physically. Okay, and, and and that's bespoke to the person. Yeah, you know yeah. they're they're full participants in it. Right. You know, and Felix Baumgartner has taught me a lot about the edge, and Rafa Ortiz. Yeah, you know, I mean the, the, the extraordinary your your colleagues and friends. Yeah. From Red Bull days, like they've taught me a lot about the edge.
1: Yeah, I always. It's funny because I always, I never really considered myself. Uh that much of an edge because adventure racing isn 't we used to call them the one two three one two three go sports, you know one two three jump, one two three huck, one two three you know ready, you know, and our sport was you know twenty four hour days seven for seven days in a row there was there was no one two three jump, it was like ready, set go, and people would just start walking. <laughs> You know, so not exciting, not exciting to watch, you know, like yeah, I, I think yeah. the sport has a kind of a short lived, um, uh, video presence because who wants to watch a seven day event, you know,
0: I, mean, what, I have such respect for endurance ultra. I mean, like what you guys do is mind model. Uh,
1: what I did. I, let's, let's be really clear. Like that, that is no yeah, longer anywhere close. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, and that's sure. so much. I mean, it's just shifted. Yeah, I you know, know, it's just shifted
0: yeah it, I think that that's super healthy isn't it like as we expand and grow we kind of
1: I hope I'm not doing the same thing at 80 mm. that I'm doing at 60 mm. or 50 I'm not 60 yeah. where'd that come from yeah.
0: Jesus yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Stop> <laughs> whoops running downhill yeah like, right we all are running downhill in age yeah. I want to
1: ask you uh, to finish the story about you showing up on the ice um, with that hockey oh, team yeah. and yeah. like how'd that go
0: thank you for bringing that back <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we. Because um,
1: you were telling me about how you got engaged with Pete Carroll, and that we we, uh, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we lost that story.
0: So he says, um, I see him give you know coach gives me some acknowledgement, yeah. um, and I'm I'm the guy that's not dressed properly, right? Yeah. And yep. so, and so he brings the guys in, bags them for 15 minutes, which is no one really wants that. That's you know you, I mean, you get bagged or you, you know sprints at the end of a practice. That's like Miracle. Have
1: you seen the movie Miracle? Mm-mm. Oh God, oh, really? Yeah, of course I have, yeah. When the yeah. the famous scene where he just runs them, yeah. not runs them, but up and down the ice for like eight hours. Yeah, or, well, that you was know. not, this was just
0: a few minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's agitating. When you do difficult work and heart rate's up, and, yep. and it's, a, it's an internal agitation. And so then like all the guys are going, like walking by me to go into the, the, the tunnel to go into the, the locker room. And, you know, it's like little nods. Like, I think they knew that, that I was coming or maybe not, I don't know. But it was out uh-huh. of just blue collar respect like hey what's up And so i'm waiting for the coach and so we're trailing behind and we're walking through uh, the tunnel and it's cordial it's it's kind it's nice Uh, but there's nothing there yet and we're waiting to walk through the locker room to get to his office so we get into the office and we have i don't know a few minute conversation but as we were before we got into into his office he says hey guys stay in your gear i thought that was weird
1: but then i thought oh
0: because we're just going to spend a few minutes and then You know, if we have to wait for everyone to change and shower, it's going to take too long. Mm -hmm. But then I didn't put this together at the end. Like they're agitated. They're sweating. Right. They're getting cold. They're sitting in their locker and hockey gear smells so badly, badly. badly, Yes. So, um, so we have a few minute exchange in the locker or in his office and it's just whatever it, there's nothing there, but he, he walks out and he says, um, and he says, okay, let's go meet the boys. So he walks out and guys are looking at me like, okay. And he says, <laughs> Alright guys, we got a new addition.
1: I can't think of a more uncomfortable situation. <laughs> I'm getting a little a pit in my stomach like thinking oh, about thank this. You. I appreciate oh.
0: that. Yeah. We're bonding right now for sure. <laughs> because he says, right, He says, Okay, boys, um, if you're fucked up in the head, go see Gervais. Oh <laughs>
1: let's,
0: let's, I know. Can you believe that? Oh my god. I know. So there I am. As green and as wet behind oh. the ears as you can imagine, my heart is thumping. And I'm going <laughs> s- to, f- this is a cool ending for me for the story, but I think there's, some, there's a takeaway from it, is that he turns and is walking back to his office with kind of his head down. And I know he's got this little grin about him. Like I just, right, right, you know, like, right. fuck? Yeah. you know, and so I look up at the boys and I look back at him and I go, Hey coach. And so now I'm in dangerous territory now. right? This, right. What am I doing? Okay. Now I grew up back to the kind of our first part of our story. I grew up not needing much. Mm -hmm. I was going to perfectly fine with exploring the world with milk crates and a plywood table to surf the world. I Mm -hmm. don't need, Yeah, right. I don't need much. Right. And so I didn't, I didn't come from money. Okay. So I grew up on a farm um, and then we moved to the city and my, my dad did fine. Mm -hmm. Right. I didn't know if he had it or didn't have money. He did, he did fine. Certainly, I don't know what status. I don't even, we don't talk money. I don't know. But if I need a new pair of shoes, I had to earn them. Mm-hmm. But I knew they had the money for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I want to try to paint the right picture there. But I don't need anything. And I certainly don't need to be embarrassed by another man. Right. So he's walking. I say, hey, coach. And I was like, okay, here we go. Fuck this dude. So I say, coach, my door's open for you. And I was perfectly prepared to get back. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so and I look back at the room, my, my, my eyebrows are up, and my eyes are like, okay, what's gonna happen now? As I look back to the boys, and they start hooting <laughs> and the Gatorade bottle is flying and they're pounding back. <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're,
1: that is great. So, yeah, wow.
0: So, so he stops midstream, he looks back at me like Good job,
1: right, you know, right, like, right. Like, okay, You're not so, as green as you look, maybe, or something. Well, you know, I was green,
0: like, yeah, but I didn't, I didn't care. You didn't cave. Much. You didn't cave
1: in. You yeah, know, so
0: then, the, the, like, you know, you know this that there's alphas and betas, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying I'm an alpha. I'm not saying that, but what I'm what I've realized is that I need to be me. Yeah, and if imagine the alternative. <laughs> Thanks, coach. And you turn back to the guys and say, you know. um, whatever, like it's not going to work. Yeah, no. Right. And so I, I did turn back and the, there's a hooting and hollering. And I said, okay, okay, okay. And so he keeps walking. So it's, and I said something and it wasn't great, you know, like looking back, if I could re script what I had to say, I would have probably said, you know, guys, like, Thank you for your time. I'm sorry you're agitated. Let's start off on a better foot another day.
1: Yeah, but yep. I didn't.
0: I tried to do something. This was the green part again. Like I tried yeah, right. to say, okay, well, this is what we can do together, and that's so right. rookie ish Yeah, right, right, you know? right, right. So right. I don't want to say this amazing thing, you know. But it was a cool moment for me. Like
1: the other po- I mean, it didn't matter. You didn't have to say anything else, I and mean, that was probably, you were that's done. That's what I'm saying. Like I, yeah, like
0: looking back now, right? Like that would have been way more eloquent. But um, so that's why I started in pro sport, and then. Um, And then I fell out of love with pro sport because of the big microphones and, um, the self-aggrandizing way. And remember, like for me, I was, I was that weird guy for in a lot. Like, yeah, the mind's important, but man, what's that got to do with me right now? And so there's a stigma attached to it. It's changed a lot. Yep. People like Felix Baumgartner, people like Kerry Walsh Jennings, people you know best in the world in many domains that have raised their hand and say no dude, get with the mind mm-hmm. like it's a good part of becoming better yeah and so i just didn't enjoy it i didn't i never really fully loved stick and ball sport in that way and i didn't like how i, I felt in it so i went to action sports mm-hmm. i went to mma i went to um uh, olympic experiences mm-hmm. and which is some stick and ball for sure but it had a different tone to it sure right know, like a purity yeah and then I met Coach Carroll, and he was different. How,
1: what was he doing in action sports?
0: He was not doing. So someone, a mutual friend, said, "Hey, do you know Coach Carroll?"
1: Oh, uh, just uh, not I mean, related Coach to what you were doing. No, got yeah. it. Got and it. And I was done. I was kind of. Was done he still sports. at USC no, at this point?
0: Mm-mm. Yeah, he was uh, up at the first year at the Seahawks. Okay. And I said no, and um, you, know, you guys got to meet. You guys think a lot alike, huh. and so we had this kind of um, large dinner, you know, of mm-hmm. folks. And we sat across from each other and I loved how he thought, I loved how he was thinking about his mission in life is to help others become the very best. I was like, okay, now a lot of people say that I've heard that story before, but there was something different about it. And he says yeah. at the end of it, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, now I'm done with pro sport. Like, this is cool to meet you though, because it gives me more like some hope yeah, right. like that, that, you know, and so he just come up and see what we're doing you know and this wasn't like a sales pitch or anything just yeah. come up and see like you'll, I think you'll really feel different and it was fundamentally different hmm. and so what is it now seven or eight years later wow. we've been working together um, almost since then there was a little bit of lag time and like getting our schedules to line up, you know, his season. It was the second is the next year that I started spending. I can't
1: imagine a head coach of a football team being, having the time to do anything other than be the head coach of a football team. Like I I don't really know much about the business, but uh, it seems overwhelming. Like,
0: and he is masterful at creating a culture where um, people are celebrated for who they are. And, it's amazing. It, it just, it really is fundamentally different than any other culture I've been in. And so mm. he's got an advanced degree in psychology. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So he really understands it. Hmm. And so this, so go back to that concept of working laboratories. For me, this was a working laboratory yeah, right. to see if, what happens when I am lockstep in alignment and with a head coach? Because it's been, it has never been lockstep alignment in traditional sports for me. So... This was like, well, what could happen? Boy, I'll tell you, I, I've learned a lot, and I hope I've added, you know, half as much. And I, and so it's been a, it's been great. Wow, I mean, it's been great. Wow, super cool. Yeah, thank you,
1: thank you so much. Thanks for the time this morning. I know we, uh, I don't know if I don't know if we'll have edited out that stop point. We had we we had a hard stop at at eleven, and then your call canceled, and we started again. So, listeners, you may not even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> But um, I really appreciate your time, your generosity, your contribution that you're making. You continue to make to the world.
0: Oh, jeez! I mean, thank you. And I gotta say,
1: I, I'm 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 grateful that we have a person that you know broke the the, the, the barrier. What is it called? The speed. height record? The yeah, speed too? Yeah. yeah, Felix Baumgartner. Yeah, was
0: the first to travel from. He wouldn't uh, have done it without. Feet. He
1: wouldn't have done it without you.
0: Well, a lot of people, but I, I right, really a lot of people. I mean, that was a smart. massive
1: team. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, for sure, and. You know, I, I want to say two things. One is I, I love what you're doing. You know, I, I really, Thank you. and I'm not talking about the podcast, like, right. you know, I'm, right. I'm talking about like the, the business that you're doing with the challenging people to be better and um, really cool. And so the model, you know, and everything you're doing, I want to learn more because I know it, I, I've never been in it, right. but I've seen what you've been doing from a distance and congratulations to Thank make, you. To make Thank a dent you. in what you're doing. Really cool. And it's not easy. And the second is I love your laugh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, the freedom that you got. Yes. I,
1: I. You know what's funny is uh, let's, when is this podcast going to come out? I'm not sure, but there, one of we're we're actually okay. I'm not going to say what I was going to say because it's a surprise for this coming whole life challenge. Okay. But there are a lot of people that want my laugh to be a ringtone. You know, and oh, and I yeah, yeah. I don't even know how to do that. I I I got to investigate that because oh. uh, um, someone
0: in your community has already done so, it. Yeah,
1: they, right. I, Somebody's going to listen to this right now and yeah. going to email me. Oh,
0: I don't, yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's a great one. So yeah. So your, thank you. Thanks for your spirit. Thank you. thank, this was a wonderfully easy conversation. Cool. And um, I wish you the best.
1: Thank you. Hey, it's Andy, and thanks so much for listening. If you want to know more about what I'm learning each month, head over to andypatronic.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. If you were touched, moved, or inspired by anything you heard today, chances are someone else you know would be too. Please take a moment to think about who and send them a link to this episode. And if you're super stoked, please head over to iTunes to write a review. The best way to keep current on guests and episodes is to subscribe so that the latest one will automatically get delivered straight to your phone. The apps I use for this are Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or Pocket Casts. The Andy Patronic Podcast is produced by our team, Winslow Jenkins, Becca Borowski, and Ernie Hurtado. Big thanks to Nikki Grudadaria for the artwork. You can find all of our episodes, links, and complete show notes at wholelifechallenge.com forward slash podcast. I'm Andy Patronic. Thanks for listening.